All right, everybody, we are live. Hello. Thank you so much for tuning into our first six on six in a couple weeks. It was 22 days ago, uh, actually, that we had the last podcast with Kickstar. So uh, we have a great guest for you today and somebody who is a, a very special place in my heart, actually. And I know that we've told this story on countless podcasts about when you had uh, you had me on the pro and the potato at which there was no pro. It was <laughs> potato and potato on that episode for Definitely. sure. Uh, and somebody actually called this one the pro and two potatoes. So I thought that was very like fitting. It. But yeah, um, everybody, please welcome Get Flanked. He's a content creator extraordinaire. He's been involved in our scene for ages. He's now a content creator for Dark Zero, the new NA major champions. And I figure this is a good jumping off point. But before we get into it, briefly introduce yourself to the good, humble people of chat. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys, and congrats on a uh, great podcast, uh, you know, hitting double digits as far as episodes. It's not easy. It's something to be proud of. And you guys are putting out a great product here that uh, I think most people in the community are, are really enjoying. So um, congrats and thanks for having me on. But yeah, I'm uh, Get Flanked, content creator uh, for Siege. Uh, you mentioned uh, also content creator for uh, Dark Zero. Um, I fancy myself more as a YouTuber than a streamer, but I do stream from time to time. And uh, yeah, make uh, content. I'm mostly focusing on um, meta issues and stuff like that within the game, and a little bit of tips here and there. Well, very nice. And I mean, you've got you've got the Pro and the Potato series. You've got yep. You've got uh, Logic Bomb, which yep. is I would hazard a guess is probably the most listened to, most watched Rainbow Six podcast. Um, so that and then I mean before that you had the Hop Reach, and it's it's been a pleasure mm -hmm. to be on both of those. I know that. Uh, Canadian was on uh, Logic Bomb as well on an episode. And of course, if you're going to be watching this on YouTube later on, we'll make sure that all of your uh, your links are included down below because the Logic Bomb does, you do weekly shows. You don't really take breaks, right? Yeah, we, we try to do every week. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it's becoming more and more challenging because of uh, my kids are on a back to school on a hybrid schedule. So everything's kind of up in the flux. But yes, at this point, we do do weekly shows. Yeah, and I mean Pete. Pete takes time off, plenty of time off. So yeah, you know Pete takes enough time off for for everybody. But um, <laughs> most people are here to talk about the majors, and I mean, let's start with the North American major because I mean the Google stats tell us that an overwhelm. Actually, only half of our viewership is based in North America, so that's it's kind of surprising. But let's start with NA uh, just because of your affiliation with it, and of course Troy's third place finish in it. Um, so let's just jump right on in. I mean. Uh, flanked your team one congratulations but and i want your honest opinion on this did you expect to win when the major started i i think that i would be lying if i said that i i'll, I'll be honest i did not expect that performance i think that okay. uh i think that the DZ roster always has the potential of winning i think that saying that going into a tournament and saying that they can't win is is a much bigger stretch than saying uh, that they have a chance of winning. Did I see that performance coming? No, I did not. And um, for good reason. I mean, if you think about um, the t the three matches leading up to that, you've got a pretty lopsided loss to TSM, a pretty lopsided loss to SSG, and a really close match with Sonics. Now, I would argue that that close match with Sonics isn't an indicator of struggles as much as the other two losses uh, were. But... I think the Sonics are a really good team. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, they certainly were, were kind of limping in to this major. Um, so to see them come out and just slap 
uh, was very surprising to me. I mean, Troy, you played against them. Yeah, I mean, they they showed up. They played well. They were well prepared. Um, I wouldn't say they slapped us. <laughs> I mean, we 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 went three maps with them, but I will say, uh, like they they showed up. They were well prepared, and they were definitely very hungry. I uh, like it was. I think that was evident from, like you said, like the performance they had prior to the major, and then their performance at the major. Um, I will say so. I. I obviously it's no secret I shit talk DZ plenty, um, but I know plenty of people also said like bef- leading into the major like they didn't have a stand stand a chance in the major or anything like that. Like that's not something I've ever said. Like I went into the major well aware that they were a threat because like like you said they're always a threat. Like they're they're a good team. As much shit as I give them, like they're a good team. I'm never gonna say they're a bad team. Um, they're always a threat and. Uh, I mean, they, they came in with a really good game plan, and I mean, they, they yeah, they showed up. I think I would have liked to get a rematch. We didn't get it, obviously. And I, I mean, that's on us for not having a consistent enough performance to, to get back to the finals. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of showed up to that match, and I think they, they were significantly more prepared than us, I think. And it kind of showed, because on at least on the, the last two maps, like... They just basically caught us off guard with things that we weren't quite ready to handle. And I think they figured out probably the meta the best towards the end of it there. Um, Obviously, we're moving into a new meta now, but I think towards the end of it, they definitely kind of figured it out the best. Um, They were punishing us a lot just like by on defense, just getting like opening picks on us. And opening picks are so huge, especially like if you die early on attack now, just because every piece of utility counts if you're playing with Wamaya. and yeah, I think uh, they came in, came in with that game plan, and I think it, it paid off. And they, they also brought in some new unique attacks. Attack, I think defenses weren't the struggle as much for us. Obviously, their, their matches against TSM, I feel like those were hard to... Like, I feel like the first time they played TSM, like, TSM was asleep, I think. I think, like, I think even DZ would say... Like, I think DZ was playing really well. But I also think TSM was asleep. And, like, that's what it was a complete blow. Like, it wasn't. I think, it, I honestly think it was that for both TSM games. Well, the second TSM game, TSM started to show up. Then they lost two clutches on Cafe. They, they, they did good on their defense half. They could do, did good on their defense half. And then they had two, uh, their first two attack rounds on Cafe. Houghton mm-hmm. 1v3'd with a pistol. Mm-hmm. And then Hyper 1v3'd. Yeah. And they literally, they, they lost 10 rounds straight after that. And they weren't even close rounds. Like, 10 just smacking straight. They, how many rounds did they win after those clutches? It was only two, right? I think so. Yeah, it was like, it was once they switched, yeah, it was once they yeah. switched sides on Oregon, they won two or yeah. whatever. And then they lost. And that was it. Yeah. And like, even those, like, that was just them getting onto defense on Oregon. Like, you're bound to win some rounds. Almost. Like, they were, after that, it seemed like they were out of it. And I, like, I remember tweeting something like that during, I was like, it, TSM has to, like, mentally recover from this. Otherwise, like, they're done for. And they, like they showed no signs of it. It seemed like they didn't at all. Because I think like just something like that. It not even saying like they were sitting there like getting mad at each other or something, like calling each other out, arguing. Maybe they were. I don't know. I don't think they were. They don't seem like the type of team to do that. But I think just like those kind of rounds can possibly like just kill the energy in the team. And it looked like that happened because, like, it, it didn't matter much. Like the the game was kind of gone. But I even noticed it. When they switched sides on Oregon and they won those two rounds, 
Like I, we were joking around, like watching the game getting hyped, and like I, I was just getting hyped, like just for fun, make the guys laugh. Whatever. It's very out of character for you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Anyways, I think like Bolo like had a big round or something. I forget. Someone, someone showed up, and I was like, oh, let's fucking go. And then it switched to the camera, and like they were just like, yeah, dude, it okay. So and I and I was like, never mind, it's done. Like it, like it achieved is normally the type of guy to get hyped too. Like he was emotionless. There was there was one was there was one part where they won a round. I think it was one of the Oregon rounds, and it cuts to the achieved bolo cams. Yeah, and it looks like they'd have the expression that like the the soldiers had when they were storming the beaches of Normandy. Yes, <laughs> yes, and like I saw that, and I was like, it's over. It's like it's you're no you're on that. You're, it's like the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan, right as like the door of the boat drops, and it's like that's their expression. And it's just like, whew. yeah, it's like it's over at that point. Yeah, from, um, but yeah, DZ DZ showed up though. They they played they played consistently well, which like you you can't take that away from them. Like they didn't have a bad map that event. I don't think. Like I think the only map they lost was the us on consulate. And even then, like it was still a pretty good map. Like it was a competitive map. So for sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, they they played really well. How do you think uh, it, when people look back on the NA major in terms of competition? Because I mean. The fans of Dark Zero are going to look back really fondly on this because DZ won. I mean, that's that always happens, right? Like, it doesn't matter if your team plays like shit. It doesn't matter if your team plays well. You know, if if you're a DZ fan, this has been... I, I could argue for guys like Mint and Hot and Cold, this is like five years in the making. And this is as much as... Yeah. I think as much as the casual observer kind of hand-waved away the major results and they already set expectations and they spun the results being like... Oh, it's just online. Oh, it's just interregional. Oh, it doesn't matter. Like this is still a major win. Like it major in two different definitions for yeah. Dark Zero. And I don't want anybody to take that away from them. But if you're a casual observer and you don't really have a dog in the fight, how do you rate the quality of the matches? Because I like to talk about the Paris Major a lot. Honestly, barring one or two matches, the Paris Major is not worth revisiting in terms of exciting matches. And I think the same with the Raleigh Major. I think the Raleigh Major had maybe one or two good matches, and that was it. The rest of the event, frankly, stunk from a competitive yeah. perspective. So we'll go through all the regions, but let's start with North America. Do you think the NA Major is worth recommending that people go back to watch? And Mr. Flanked, I will let you go first. There were so many good matches. I mean, you think about... Uh, what was it? The um, the oxygen SSG match was yeah. was really really exciting to yeah. watch. And, I think and, it was mostly our matches. Yeah, <laughs> and those were the close ones. And God, even, the so good, matches, yeah, even, even the dark zero matches. Even even the even the dark zero matches that weren't close. Like there was a lot of really exciting like first uh, first uh, frags and like opening frags and like, really exciting plays from that. So I think. The the NA region as a whole definitely it, it was exciting. I would recommend people going back to watch it. And let me just say something as far as like the quality of the teams there. Like it, as a as a content creator for Dark Zero, if you're expecting me to say that winning that the the NA mini major is as significant as winning any international LAN, I'm I'm not gonna go there. No one's but, gonna say that either. No, no, no not I, even I, a player on DZ will say that. Right. The, the, the for a team or a player to say that like you have to have a bad mentality like if if dz like came out of that major and was like saying that like i'd li i wouldn't even be saying anything i'd be laughing i'd be like these guys are fucking done for like that's a that's a shitty mentality right because 
like you you can't be satisfied with that you know and i know they're not i know they're not like i've talked to some of them they're not so let me let me like throw this out though because i think that while that is true and i am sure that everybody on the team thinks that way i do think that this win was hugely important oh yeah because dz i mean we were uh, the punchline going into this for a lot of people. I mean, you had obviously you, I mean, you had Jesse on the stream introduce us as the team who's spending millions in the desert with nothing to show for it. You've literally got super on his couch because we beat him and, and knocked him out of it. Criticizing or critiquing meant for running blints against the, as we're beating the current world champs, you know, he's, he's sitting on his couch talking about running blitz. You've got iconic on a different podcast talking about how, the play style for DZ whenever he plays us, he fucks us. Something like that. Um, you've got your infamous uh, trophy comment or lack thereof. You know, I mean, and and for good reason. Like I, I mentioned it already, there were some bad performances leading up to this. But for us to show up, like I, I'm just so proud of the guys because a lot of people, when the chips are down like that, and when you're getting, you know, your your name drugged through the ground, they go into a deep dark corner and get in the yeah. fetal position and don't respond. And it brings out the worst in them. And this brought out the best in our guys. And for them to show up and perform like that and shut everybody up was so huge. And don't get me wrong. I love the banter. Your comment about the trophy room, Troy was hilarious. And I thought it was on point. Loved it. I want to see more of that. I love the personality of super. Don't get me yeah. wrong in any of that. But what I love more than that is when my team goes out and shuts everybody up. And that's why that's what I love as well about it, though. Like, and that's what I love on the opposite side of it. Like, I like to talk shit because I want people to talk shit back to me. And oh, my God, I want to shut them up. I still want to shut DZ up. Like, like, I'm going to shut them right back up. Go ahead. Win the online major. Uh, with, with that said, I will I will say that uh, I, I'll say this. I, I do think that, and I'm sorry, we're getting off your top original topic here, Intero, but this is I do think that I think that, at all. I think that you can make the case that DZ was the best team in NA for the season. I mean, you look at look at the the resume. Okay, they they beat TSM three different times, none of which were really that close. Well, two of which weren't even close. Um, they beat you guys once, lost to you once. They beat Susquehanna twice. Um, I I think no yeah yeah. no they I don't think they no we didn't play OXG so when you look at that resume I do think that you have to make the case that DZ was the best NA team over the course of this season I mean I don't don't think an argument can be made otherwise like if you winning that major like period that like that had to be the argument like if you win that major you're the best team like in NA that season period like I'm not I'm not gonna argue that no one's gonna argue that obviously like. I, I might have arguments for things outside of that. Like, inter- I still don't think, like, I, I never have thought this, even for myself. I think I even had an interview with you, a pro in the potato episode after the invitation, where we talked about, like, the USM win. End of the day, I don't think, like, I don't think domestic uh, competition necessarily translates the same to international competition. Obviously, like, if you're a good team, you're a good team. But there's pieces of it that are in international competition that don't apply to domestic. But, like, at the end of the day, if you win that major, like, you you get to say you're the best team in NA for that season. Like that that can't be argued. My thing with with DZ and, and the narrative that we were sort of pushing from a casting perspective was, uh, you know, you you limped into the major. That match against the Sonics, in my honest opinion, your match against the Sonics is the highlight um, 
of this season so far for NA. I think that's the best match that we've had. Um, and I mean, I can't believe how crazy close it came. And it makes me really excited for the next stage where, you know, we're going to see how good the Sonics really are now that they, you know, they're going to be firing on all cylinders. But um, the 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 DZ thing is, is fascinating to me because he, when a team comes in and they've set their own expectations or they play a little bit looser, I, people that watch any of Kicks and Mice casting, we talk about this in at almost every event. There's always a team that comes in that's just like, eh, we're just going to play. We've never won. Maybe we'll win. We'll kind of take it light. And then all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, we're killing everybody. And then you then you transition from like, eh, we don't really care to like, wow, we can actually win this. You know, the big one that everybody seems to remember and the one we talk about the most is Entz back in, in season six, um, where they came into to Sao Paulo and all of a sudden, hey, they're, you know, they win the whole event. But for DZ, you know, for me on the outside, it seemed like there was very limited expectations, you know, for, for SSG and TSM, I think the expectations were the highest. TSM was looking to, to finally win something in North America. SSG was looking to repeat. Oxygen had been falling after they were the first team to qualify for the NA major. They've had a bit of a tumble after that. And you limped in, you know, you barely got in, you squeezed out a victory over SQ. So I was thinking, okay. This is interesting, but you have to keep in mind that if one of those teams starts to heat up, they can ride that momentum all the way. And I don't think it's fair to just say that Dark Zero rode momentum. I, I thought DZ's greatest attribute over the major was how they played through the mid-round and onward. And it was the biggest point of criticism that we've made before, and Troy has actually talked about uh, on this show previously, is that it seems like if, if things don't go according to plan for Dark Zero they can't fix it mid-round. And they just kind of have to reset for the next round and hope for the best. And it's something that we've seen in a, in a countless number of matches. That was gone for the major. If, if, if shit went sideways midway through a round, it was fixed. Skies was fixing it. Eclipse was fixing it. Hot and Cold was doing it. And I don't know if you changed your IGLing. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but it, it's a night and day difference over where DZ was from most of stage one and then they just show up to the major and, and their biggest glaring weakness has now been fixed. And they and they clobbered everybody. The NA major was not close. It was, some of the matches were exciting, but it wasn't close. And and like I said, I don't know what changed, but it was impressive to watch. And it, it made for it made for really enjoyable casting, frankly. The biggest thing that jumped out to me was just their defensive presence. To me, they seem to take the focus yeah. from we are going to try to waste the first minute and a half and then fall back to site to we are going to take risks to try to get an early pick. That that was the biggest difference. I actually I disagree with what you said, Parker. I didn't notice a change in that. What so against us, I think the the thing was is they controlled the tempo. On defense, they were getting opening picks. Like they controlled the tempo and forcing us to be uncomfortable. Like you can't make the other team uncomfortable if like they're forcing on you. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be controlling the tempo of the game with like whether it's an operator ban, a certain map style, how you're playing it. It has to be something like that to make them uncomfortable. It's not necessarily just like a pick and how you deal with it. Um, and then on defense, I think the biggest thing is that, like like Flank said, a change in their style to where like they're bringing the pressure to you and you have to kind of deal with that. Um, also, I think TSM TSM isn't a team that forces you to adapt as much. They're like they play their game. Like TSM is the type of team where, and I think it's why DZ actually has a good matchup with them. Like obviously, like from results, like they beat them three times this season. Like you don't beat a team three times in a row unless you have a good matchup against them. 
uh, usually a team figures something out. I think TSM's the type of team they just run their stuff. Like they they don't run unorthodox things. They they play very like standard siege. Uh, they make some things up here and there, but like they don't play very unorthodox in my opinion at all. And I think it's hard to make a team uncomfortable when you play like standard siege. And I mean, like that's part partially like I get for us like that's poor like preparation for us to not force DZ to be uncomfortable and also credit to them for changing their style to like bring that pressure to us. But I don't necessarily think they proved that they're like better at adapting. I think they they really focus on the preparation to control the tempo of the game so that they didn't have to adapt as much. Um, I, not to say that they can't make that change and get better at adapting. Who knows? But it didn't prove it to me, at least. Interesting. Because I'd see for me, I I, I definitely did think that they did much better mid-round, but I, I do agree that they put more pressure on, and, and pressure was something that you actually referenced about BC. Whenever you play it against him, he always yeah. had pressure. There was always pressure. You always had to worry whether it was attack or defense. And I mean, uh, the one man who really stood out for me on those those opening duels and those opening picks to get that pick and then push the advantage, and if, you know, if if I'm wildly off base, so be it was Eclipse. Eclipse was was extremely aggressive and he was really successful, which is something, you know, I God, I can't remember I haven't seen like that level of performance on entry from Eclipse since way, way back when he was on that old rogue roster and you know he was working in tandem with Slash. I I was very I don't want to say impressed because that sounds like I'm like talking down to him, but I was I I'm gonna say impressed. I don't really care. I was impressed with how he played and I he showed up really big and you know, he looked like himself again. Yes, he did. Um, I, I think I don't know exactly what happened, but I noticed it as well as like the tempo of their attacks and like it was it was in large part like dictated like normally their attacks are dictated by hype. It feels like and now it felt like their attacks were a lot more dictated by Eclipse and like they picked up the pace and just kind of let him like he would just entry and execute onto the site like a lot earlier in the round than they typically would. Um, and you could notice it with him. And I think on defense, the big one to give credit to for like picking up their tempo was most noticeably hot. I think I think everyone shipped in with that, but hot was like most noticeable. And I think you could notice that in the stats, like he's like playing like more support, like he plays hard breach on attack, but he had the best entry stats in the entire event. So like <laughs> clearly and like and like I said, like from playing against them and watching them play, like their defense picks, like their opening picks on defense, like like that was something that set them apart and hot was one of the ones doing that eclipse jumped off the screen to me as well uh, uh parker i definitely agree with you there and that that felt really good because i mean i'll be honest with you like when you go back to the roster change that was made with dz whenever they brought on eclipse and skies if you if you're if you're a glass half empty person you could say at that roster move okay we're losing BC, who, in my opinion, is one of the most consistent land performers in all of NA, but especially on DZ. Um, we're coming off of a runner-up finish at Tokonami. Why are we changing anything? And then also, um, you know, we're bringing on Eclipse, who just got relegated, and Skies, who's been relegated twice. Now, that's a glass half empty. If you're a glass half full guy, then you're saying, okay, we're bringing on a lot more fi fi potential firepower here with Skies and Eclipse. And I think that was another reason that I think this victory is so big is that we saw that roster really show that, that firepower when everything's clicking for the first time. Yeah. 
it was nice to see um you know and and it i think it's great because it makes very casual analysis of the dz gameplay which is like oh hyper does everything and then that's basically the whole conversation and now it's over it makes it a lot more it, it makes it much more even now i i don't know if this DZ is going to continue, Troy, you hinted at the fact that we are now in the midst of a meta shift. And with Ace and Malusi yeah. coming, I've, I've heard from a couple different coaches that there's been an awful lot of prep work that's been going on. Um, there's tons of changes. Yeah. Between that and then, like, there's a bunch of changes that were added with Shadow Legacy, like, that aren't um, that aren't zero, basically. Um, so, like, there's a ton of changes that are coming into the game. The game's a lot different. Now, I want to get into Shadow Legacy, but we still have the other regions to go through. Uh, so let's start with the very first one. We can dive into APAC. Um, I don't know. APAC is the hardest region for me to watch. I don't know about both of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it was Cloud9 versus Giants Gaming in the final. The The results of a lot of these majors were kind of upside down. Cloud9 has not looked like a very good team for a year now. I think mm-hmm. the last time we saw them in, in any real impressive fashion was when they were Mantis FPS uh, back at SI 2019. Um, but they played really well. And Giants Gaming, who have looked by, by far and away the most dominant team in APAC North, I think kind of fumbled mm-hmm. it. I was I was very surprised. I don't know if either of you watched APAC North, but... I didn't. I mean, we were prepping, so like I, could, right. I couldn't be up at that hour watching. I mean, you barely make but... it up for this podcast anyway. <laughs> I, I mean i caught glimpses though. yeah i was gonna say uh, you make it up for golf <laughs> uh i i caught glimpses of it and what i saw was very entertaining i'm glad to see cloud nine get a victory like you said it's been a while since um you know we've really heard much out of them and uh would love to see you know that org have you know a nice presence within within our scene um yeah I don't really know much about APAC. Like I said, it's uh, one thing that we've talked about on this podcast is that even for people that are super fans, it's very challenging to watch every region. Um, yeah. APAC in particular it, is usually starting, like, I might be able to catch the last match or two, but usually I'm not with, because it goes live at like 5 a.m. Eastern or something yeah. like that, or 6 a.m. Eastern. It's like, no way am I, I waking up that early to watch Rainbow Six. Like, no. I very rarely can watch APAC games, and usually when I do, it's like, usually they play their APAC land, and then there's a land that they qualify for. And then I watch the teams that qualified for that. Yeah. So, like, that's usually how I watch the APAC games. But, like, this this season, there was there was none of that, basically. Like, we were prepping for our own major while the APAC major was going on, so didn't really follow much. Um, one thing I want to say is, like, I mean... It's kind of unfortunate, like fanatic situation. Yeah, you know, they've had they had to play online with like what is it like 150 ping, like something really bad in a region that is already known for extremely aggressive yes. peaking. You're going to be getting mm. killed around multiple walls. Yeah. yeah, it's just not fun. And I mean, it's a bit of a bummer because like they they weren't at the major. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then I yeah I expected Giants to win it. I was surprised when I saw Cloud Nine did. Um, but I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's good news. Cause I don't think like, I don't think that's necessarily like giants getting worse or something like that. That's clearly a sign of quality not improving because I feel like for a long time, like I haven't even like, I don't really expect them ever to be like, yeah, giants or fanatic or anything like that. So, um, I think that's a, a testament to them improving. And I mean, I think that's good news, right? 
I think having competitive regions is good to begin with. A lot of people have, you know, slagged off APAC for so long. And and I think yeah. as a region, they've they've really lagged behind uh most of the other developed regions for a number of for a number of reasons. But APAC North is a is a massive investment that is indisputably making these teams better. They're going to create their own meta. They're going to play around it. How they export that when it comes to global events, when we have them, you know, in 2037. Uh, we'll have to see. But in the meantime, it, these teams are improving. And, you know, Fnatic was kind of the big fish in a small pond down in ANZ, which is APAC South, which we'll get to in a bit, because they had uh, the Oceana, which Wildcard won, and then they had, uh, I guess it was technically like Southeast Asia, which is the one that uh, one that Union Gaming won. But, um, yeah, I mean, even if Fnatic was on normal ping, I don't think it's a given that they that they're going to no, win a major, not. and I I don't even know if it's a given if they're going to make it to a major with how competitive APAC North is right now. You know, you've got you've got Cyclops, you've got Cloud Nine, and you've got Giants Gaming, all of which are are good teams that are getting better. Yeah. You know, and Fnatic will need to improve if they want to compete with them. I mean, I I would still say that Fnatic is probably the best team in APAC out of out of all of them. The results don't show that for APAC North so far, but as you pointed out, they're playing on ping. Um, so I, I, it, I mean, COVID sucks for a number of reasons, but it would have been nice to see them play on a, a level playing field. Exactly. Like, yeah, no, by no means am I saying like, yeah, they definitely would have qualified for the major. They definitely would have won the major, but it's just unfortunate that they're like, yeah, they're, they're playing at an inherent disadvantage. Like there's, there's no arguing that. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, did any of you watch uh, South Asia, which is the one that Union Gaming won, or, or Oceano, which was the one that Wildcard won? Wildcard beat Pittsburgh Knights, and I can't remember who Union Gaming beat. Um, I didn't watch any of like the sub-regions. Um, the only ones that I like actively watched were APAC, EU, Brazil, and NA. Because yeah. um, I know like uh, BR6's... Uh, what isn't the whole region? Because there was there's Mexico and South America too, right? Um, yeah, but I don't think South America did a major. I don't think they did. I think Mexico did, but I don't think South America did. I think you're right. I don't remember seeing. I remember a graphic, and I don't remember seeing that one as part of the the majors. I'm but. not sure. I honestly don't know. Um. But it's I, honestly, it's been hard for me to follow. I wanted to, I followed the Latin America one, mm. but like, I even wanted to follow it more, but like, like we're practicing during it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just like kind of looking over my phone, like not really just between rounds, kind of checking score updates or like hearing score updates from like Sov while we're scrubbing. Um, so you know, it, it's kind of just unfortunate how it worked out, but like EU, I got to watch entirely because like we we're taking a break. Yeah. Um, so. It's one of those things where I'll go back and I'll revisit it, mm -hmm. but I won't watch it live. And and a lot of times, like when I'll go back and revisit it, it will be when we have a live event and there are teams present. And when I was yeah. when I was in Poland and we had, you know, we were casting all three of the regions, you know, I was very upfront about the fact where it was like I couldn't really watch APAC, period. I wouldn't watch it live. And a lot of my week, if I'm not streaming, a lot of my week is rewatching the other half of NAEU Latam mm -hmm. that I wasn't casting. So yeah. APAC would usually be reserved for 
okay, there's an event coming up. There's the APAC finals, like you talked about, Troy. You know, these are the eight teams that are going to be present. Time to do some research on them, watch those finals, and then the two teams that make it out go back and, and dig up stats and rewatch those VODs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just that there's, you know, I, I really appreciate and I think it's great for the game that we've branched out so much. And, you know, now that there's Mexican teams competing and, you know, there's Argentinian teams competing and there's, you know, there's just Sri Lankan teams competing and all this jazz across the across the world. We're actually getting like a global league it just makes watching all of it pretty much impossible so sure (laughs) and i think that's okay i think that's okay because i mean you know the the regional viewers will enjoy it and and they have something to watch and it's gonna the the players will improve but i i actually do think there's quite a lot of benefit of of as a caster at least of being able to like step back and not just watch rainbow six all day every day so i imagine that's true yeah um so let's jump over to uh let's go to Latam or Brazil, I guess technically. Uh Nip wins. Did we did we see that coming? Um, I, I think I, I saw it coming. Surprised. Um I, we me and Troy were talking about this before we went live a little bit. Me personally, I think that that Nip is like the sleeping giant right now. Mm-hmm. Uh all this attention on e, uh, on NA and uh EU, and for good reason. It was a really exciting uh, matches on, on both of those majors and nips just kind of cruising along down there having a really close second place finish at the invitational looks like they're still improving to me uh and and the next international land whenever that is watch out for nip yeah i mean i think uh i feel like it, a lot of the regions it, it's been kind of the same i think like our team we kind of joked about it I'm actually going to call out Veli here. Veli tweeted something about, like, I wish there was a major, like, to show all these new top teams competing. And we literally, like, we linked in our team group chat. We're like, what teams are new? Because, like, honestly, like, a lot of the teams, like, they're, they're teams that have been near the top for a while. Like, obviously, the like, teams that are winning are different. But, like, it was competitive across the board. Like, even in Latin America, it was still competitive. Liquid, Liquid and NIP had, like, a crazy close match. I remember I watched that one. Um, I didn't get to watch the phase matches as much. Um, but yeah, like ac- across the board, all the regions, I feel like they're all the teams are very competitive and like they're they're not brand new teams, any of them um, by any means. Like they've had they've had like top finishes before elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I think NIP is like still a threat. I don't think I don't think there is any reason to question that anyways, though. And I don't think any there's any reason to question any of the basically the big three of Latin America, like. Liquid still looked good. Liquid still like they're still gonna ha- always have that question mark though. It lands like, are they gonna show up this time? Or are they not? Um, I think a big part of that comes down to like their group draw a lot of the time. Um, I feel like they they just they don't they don't consistently like dominate their own region. Um, yeah, I feel like they match up a lot better against international teams. So I I always believe that. Um, and then, yeah, I think FaZe looked like it looked OK. They, they haven't looked the same to me ever since the Rally Major. Like they had their run at the Rally Major. Um, they looked honestly, they looked really good to me there. Like the, them, them G2 and Empire all looked really good there, in my opinion. Like they, they really gave Empire a run for their money. They very easily could have won that match, in my opinion. That was like one of the highlights of that major. Like you said, Parker, like I don't think there was very good, like many very good matches at that major. Yeah. But I think that was one of them. The yeah, phase versus empire too. match that one was crazy um 
And I think ever since then, they haven't really recovered because they had that. And then the next land that they were supposed to go to was Tokonami. And then they had visa issues. Couldn't attend that. So, like, that's like however many months just kind of scrapped. Um, next event's invitational, right? Yeah. yeah. Next event's invitational. Did they make a, ro- they didn't make a roster change? I don't think yet. No, not yet. They went to invitational and then they didn't have a good performance there. Then they made a roster change. And then now they've made another roster. Like, it's just been kind of downhill from there. Like, I feel like they, they potentially could have had a good event at Tokonami. Like, if they had their full lineup, I feel like they, with the, with the showing they had at Rally, they could have won it. And I just, I don't know. They didn't recover just from that. I feel like it might have been very just demotivating, like, not being able to play with their team there. And then it's just, they didn't really mentally recover. Maybe they just kind of lost some motivation. Not sure though. I, I mean, I'm not there. I, I um, think. Um, I think Nip and Phase heading in were probably two of the favorites to Tokonami. Yeah. Um. But I, I, it's so hard to tell, right? That whole land was so peculiar. Um, because I mean, DZ made that run, and I mean, it wasn't really like that convincing a run. And then Navi struggled with wild card. And then, you know, Navi immediately after winning that championship, like, frankly suck, you know, like, it it was, it's a really weird event. And I I do think that, I do think if you have the two Brazilian teams uh, fighting at full strength, I think one of them probably wins Tokonami. Um, Whether it's FaZe or whether it's Nip, I honestly think at the time Nip probably had a higher ceiling, but I mean, that's just us speculating. It's hard to say. Yeah. But like it would have been a much more competitive event because of that. Yes, and I, I think there's no denying that those teams would have been competitive. Like those team, those are teams that are always competitive, mm. right? Um, so yeah, it's just that that was a bit of bum- a bummer. And I just I feel like Phase just hasn't mentally recovered since then. They ended up making a change with Cameraman after Invitational. Now they made a change with Mav, I which feel is, like is so of, bizarre. They need to a me. fresh start. Like that's yeah, why, I that's why I think it's it was a motivation thing, or like drive or something like the energy in the team had to be off because like it feels like they need a fresh start like they're like they're cutting cameraman and then mav and like those are like some of the former core members of that team yeah like when when you start removing core members like that don't have like any glaring issues with like their gameplay you know that it's like something to do with the team environment and like the energy of the team and like that's not even necessarily to say like mav or cameraman is the problem and i don't I think even from like the announcements they've made when they made the changes, like you can tell, like they don't think that guy's directly the problem, like a hundred percent. It's like more they feel they need a change, and this is something they want to try. Like they know this guy is part of the problem, yeah. But hopefully, like kind of resetting the environment can help it. I I very much wonder about the change with Mav because to me, Mav is. I mean, you you look at Latin America, and I mean Nesk. Uh, Muzi, Pino, Palu, those are four of the people who always jump to mind. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Mav is, in terms of consistency, Mav is, is up there. Yeah. And he's just as much in the running with all of them. Um, now, obviously, we don't ever get to see or hear what goes on behind the scenes. There's been rumblings back when Gohan was on that team. There was rumblings that FaZe used to get into huge fights, oh, etc. Yeah. And um, yeah. I don't think you can just blame that on one person. So we'll see. Yeah. Um I, I'm curious as to where Mav goes. Um, 
But yeah, phase is an interesting one. Nip played as well as they did. Sleeping Giant, I think, is a good way of putting it. I think they'd be able to... I think they'd be able to make a really strong run. And I do think that right now, Nip is probably a top three team in the world, I would say. Yeah. Um, I feel like Nip, like maybe a Sleeping Giant in like the public side, but yeah. I feel like... I feel like if you're if you're a top competitive team and you're not like seeing N- NIP as one of the biggest threats, like you're trolling. Yeah. You are. Like you you have to see them as one of the biggest threats. And I, the, I think yeah. The one thing that I think in Latin America gets kind of overlooked is that everybody knows Liquid because obviously Nesk speaks for himself. Uh, Li- you know, Team Liquid probably has the second largest fan base in all of professional Rainbow Six after G2, I'd say in terms of just like sheer popularity. Maybe TSM would be up there as well. It's hard. I think yeah. G2, TSM, and Liquid are probably one, two, and three in any particular order in regards to to fans. So everybody likes Liquid, but I mean, Liquid has significant issues with consistency on LAN. Nip mm-hmm. lately hasn't really had that, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Mav and where he goes. I'm curious to see if MIBR rebounds. Team One. Some a team we haven't spoken about at all. They've looked mm-hmm. stupid good this stage as well. Yes. Um, Flanked, I don't know if you have anything to uh, to add to this. I haven't seen any of the Team 1 matches, but um, yeah, I, I agree that I think, I, you know, to me, whenever I look at Latin America, and, you know, maybe this is because I don't get to spend as much time there, you know, I look at the big three with Liquid Phase and Nip. And... Uh, I love to see all three of those uh, teams hitting, you know, at the top, you know, at peak performance. And I really feel like we haven't had um, a land in a while where all three of those teams showed up. It's like either maybe two of them or one of them, or there's visa issues, like like Troy was saying. So uh, hopefully uh, we can see Latin America fully represented at one of the events in the future. And I think that if if we see that, there's a really good chance that trophy, whatever event that is, could go to Latin America. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I think all the regions are competitive. There's no, there's no way to make an argument of like what regions looking the best. In my opinion, I, you can theorize of like how how their metas are going to match up against each other, but I think I think it's kind of impossible to tell. Um, I think all the regions look strong though. That's why like a, a land would be so interesting is because like you really don't know just because how they're playing. Like you don't know how they're going to match up. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, NIP is always a threat. Um, I think. They're even more of a threat on land now too, just because I think they they can thrive in that international competition as well. I feel like they didn't as much before, like way back when they didn't have as much structure. I think they're like more they have more synergy and structure, like just at the at the base as a team now. And then I think they still bring that unpredictability that like they always brought to the table and that skill that they always brought to the table that can kind of. Uh, carry them through but I, I think the unpredictability they bring to to events um is is con- kind of what can really set them apart i i thought that your matchup against nip was was thrilling uh at si and i i really i thought that's some of the best siege we've ever seen not just nip play but i think that's some of the best siege we've ever seen latin america play um and i've always had a i've always had a real soft spot for latam always mm-hmm. you know my first event was sao paulo Brazil's a cool country, you know, Nip is, Nip and Julio in particular, Julio's one of my favorite players, um, you know, and there's a lot of LATAM fans who think that I hate them, um, <laughs> which is, you know, is, is 
wholly abide. It was, I mean, there's two reasons for that. First was the whole Gohan thing, but then the second one was that I refused to acknowledge the truth or the whatever the fake truth they have is where they call Liquid World Champions because Liquid won season seven finals. And I'm like, that's that's not they're not world champions world champions are si only period and all the yeah. all the brazilian fans are like you're just saying that because it's a brazilian team and it's like dude i've cheered for brazilian teams in the finals way more i was screaming for liquid i'm so glad liquid beat you know penta at the time and uh i do really wish i'd i'd casted liquid win at atlantic city and i was i was very much hoping at si i'll always say this to you troy that nip had won but um one day I will not be content with my career casting Rainbow Six until I cast Latin America winning a championship, period. So that's where we're at right now. Um, but let's um, let's move over to EU because we've still got a couple more topics to get to. But let's talk about the EU major that wrapped up yesterday. Caliber Jacob uh, was wrong five months ago, but it turns out he was just he was a time traveler because BDS takes it. Um, just playing the long con. Yeah, he... Yep. He it was it was really incredible. He predicted the future long ago. So tell us tell us what happens at the EU. Who did he predict to win this event? Because that's who's going to win the EU major in November. I think he so. had G two this time, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I, think, <laughs> I, I think it was like yeah, he predicted G two for the finals. So G two wins in the fall. BDS so there you go. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, so now you know. That's good news for them. Um, um, I mean, did you watch? Did you watch the EU major? Flanked. I watched all of it. Oh. Point. I, I I watched a good bit of it. I, I mean, I definitely uh, watched all of the final. Uh, I watched most of G two matches. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of good matches. Um, I think, I mean, you got to say Rogue first rounded again. Uh, that you got to throw that out. But at at some point, that's not going to happen, surely. But uh, I think, like, obviously, hats off to BDS. Um, and I mean, can you imagine Shiko? winning his first title against Pingu in the finals. Like you can't make that up like that. Yeah. That's such a great yeah. storyline. And uh, BDS is really scary right now. But if I'm a G2 fan, I think there's a lot to be happy about. Oh yeah, uh, Absolutely. They're back uh, in a competitive force. And one other thing I'll throw out here is the whole, you know, winner's bracket winner goes up one map for the finals. Correct me if I'm oh, wrong right God. now. But the 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 map count on G two versus BDS right now is three three, right? GD G two beats them first time they play two zero, and then they come back. And as far as actual maps played, BDS has won three maps, and G 2s won three maps. Yeah, and that does feel a little. <sighs> I don't know, but anyway, I mean, I mean without, techni- without technically, we went three and two against DZ last season. Like, as far as map count, yeah. yeah. I, I, you don't make that argument. I just, it is what it is. Like the, the final match was the one that means the most. It's how it works out. I don't know. There's not much you can do about it. There's no way to like. settle this debate because people will yeah, always, really people are always going to hate the one map advantage, but then they very conveniently overlook where they're like, but you know, the nip SSG game from, from SI, they're like, SSG shouldn't have won that match. And it's like, technically nip shouldn't have even fucking been there. If you want to yeah. use that logic because nip already lost, like you can't, you can't be like, Oh, the one map advantage is so stupid. It fucks over the, the other team. When in all reality, that other team has already lost. Like, <laughs> You know, in a perfect world, I'd like to see two best of threes rather than a best of five. I would like to see a best of three 
you know, if SSG wins, cool, they're the world champions. If they lose, it's a bracket reset. It's a best of three between SSG and NIP to settle things. That's what I would like to see. I, I mean, a lot of players will say no to that because it is usually a significantly longer uh, yeah. matchup. It could be. Um, but I think a bracket reset is the right way to go. Unfortunately, people are like, oh my God, it's so anticlimactic. And it's like, well, I mean... You wouldn't have that finals if it wasn't for that one map advantage anyway. So I feel like like the fact that BDS just won from the losers bracket, like that just shows like I feel like it's irrelevant. Yeah. If you're like if you're the better team in the finals, you can win it. Period. Like BDS showed that. Um obviously like it it kind of favors the winners bracket team if you're very, very close. But uh, that's part of it. Like you it's it's part of you not being as consistent throughout the whole tournament. Like if this team didn't lose throughout the whole tournament, like they deserve that advantage when you literally you lost earlier in the tournament. Like you you need to get punished for that bad day that you had. Yep. Um but yeah. but a lot of people don't say so from what I gather of the conversations that happen on social media, it's not that they feel it's not competitive. They dislike it from a viewership perspective. And they're like, oh it's not it's not enjoyable to watch. We we've been robbed of a proper grand finals is what most of them say. They're like, oh, you know, like SSG just need to show up and win two maps. Like I, I will be honest. Watching DZ win two maps against TSM is anticlimactic from a viewership perspective. Like, is it fair? Yeah, it's totally fair. It makes the most sense from a from an integrity standpoint because TSM's already lost. A lot of people will say, well, what about, you know, the winning team gets to pick the maps? No, the winning team getting to pick the maps is nowhere near enough of an advantage to lose an entire fucking match and still come back. So, um, you know, people are going to argue and that's fine. There is no, there's no perfect solution. No. The two best of threes is the closest I've heard. Honestly. The the two sets of threes is by far and away the fairest, but at the same time, the winners are going to turn around and say like, oh, we don't want to do that because then, you know, we might have to play maps back to back and that that's where it that's where I don't like it is yeah. When you have the opportunity to play the same maps, it's kinda eh. Like you playing the same maps like maybe the next day, that's okay, but playing like similar like two of the same maps or even one of the same map, like in two back to back series that are like set an hour apart or something. Yeah. It's it's kind of absurd, I feel like. Um I don't know though. I just I think like yeah, it, it's not a good match if the winner's bracket team shows up and blows them out. But I mean, our mat, but that's the thing. Our mat, like matches don't necessarily need to be entertaining. Like the, I, I understand yeah. that there's a spectator component to this, but at the end of the day, this is a, this is a league where teams are going to win. It's, it's not like dark zero is going to play poorly against TSM to try and get five maps to put on a good show. They're going to beat the ever living piss out of them and try to win. And it's yeah. like, is it boring? Maybe. But that's kind of what makes esports and real sports so great is that sometimes they're a stomp and sometimes they're not, but it's organic and it's real. It's not scripted because if if it was scripted, every single match is going into overtime on map five and it would get very boring. Sometimes you need stomps to be able to appreciate closer matches after that. I even think, though, too, just like for the small, like it doesn't happen often, but like the, the small chance that it does happen and just happen with BDS, like. That when the losers bracket team comes in and wins it, 
it's so much like it's in it's an incredible story like it's a yep. good storyline yeah, that is like too, right that was one of the most entertaining like it was an online mini major finals and like it was still one of the most entertaining matches i've watched in siege because yeah they're coming they're they're reverse sweeping they're coming in they're at a map advantage like map disadvantage already and then one of the biggest things i had in my head coming into that match too is that they're at a 1-0 map disadvantage and then they have bds has like a weakness in their map pool where villain and theme are both very weak for them and in a best of five, they basically had to play one of them, right? They just ban one, and G2 picks the other. Yeah, well, they lost so like, Villa, though. Exactly, and they, yeah. they lost Villa. I will say they, they made it really close, and I was surprised by that. Yeah, went to round 15. Um, but the fact that, like, they were basically coming into that match at no two disadvantage, and they still brought it back. Like, I, I think that's a really good storyline. Sure, it doesn't happen all the time, but I think... It gives you that opportunity for a team coming back. Like they they got two would by G two literally two days ago, yep. and now and now they're reverse sweeping them. Like I think that it makes it much more interesting in in those cases. Maybe not all the cases, but through the grand scheme of the tournament, I think it can give you better storylines. And it makes the tournament as a whole significantly better, in my yes. opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, it it may it may give you the opportunity for a, a more lackluster finals potentially. But the entire tournament as a whole is going to be more exciting because of this, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And even in the case when you have that lackluster finals, though, it's a testament to how dominant that team was through the tournament, right? Sure. They they played that whole tournament, didn't lose. They would have already won the tournament by this point if it wasn't double elimination. And then they came into the finals and they just cleanly closed it out with their map advantage. Like, I think that's just a testament to, like, they, they've showed up every day. It can't be argued like they're the best team at the event. Um, yeah, that's my take on it. I think that, uh, and, and from a storytelling perspective, if we're doing our jobs correctly, if a final is boring, as long as it sets up a storyline, you can use it in the future. Look at Penta, for example. A lot of people look back very fondly on the Penta days, uh, you know, that that squad that literally was never losing. And it's not even that they weren't losing, it's that they dropped, like, it was something dumb, like, they dropped five maps on land in like a year and a half that is mm. a, just an utterly fucking astonishing number losing five maps <clears throat> losing five maps in like a year and a half's worth of lands and yeah. i know we don't have that many lands but that is just that is mind-boggling but every single time that that penta and then eventually g2 team crushes their opponent the fall is going to be even better yep. And that's what you need to do. And that that really is, that's on us as casters. And that's on the community as well to kind of set up the storyline because matches don't happen in isolation and a victory in a grand finals does not happen on its own. It happens in a context of a year's worth of events. If it's, if it's a world championship, it's a year's worth of, of grinding to get to that point to reach the top of the mountain. If it's, if it's a major or even if it's a season finals, you're setting yourself up for an even greater run later it's an investment right so if you look at dz's victory here in the major as an example they just plow through everybody at the na major they're on the top of the mountain right now the story that we need to move from is okay yeah the match against tsm was a snooze fest it was very boring dz put on some good matches but for the most part it was very clinical they crushed everybody cool not exactly the most exciting storyline for people that aren't dz fans 
but now you maneuver that story or you now you make a like a little bit of a maneuver and you look at the next storyline and that storyline is wait until DZ loses or yeah. wait until DZ faces adversity and then that old storyline comes back into play. Yeah, and like, see, see and if they hang that, on it to this. It better. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I saw a really hot take yesterday. Okay. That I'll throw out you guys. Maybe you guys saw it too. It was uh, it was Rams on Twitter, and he was. I'm not gonna oh, say the I whole tweet, it. but he he was basically saying that if if Shiko if Shiko is never banned, then the G2 Empire never exists. Well, that was a bold one. It was. I uh, mean, B B Genius was not the same team. No, yeah. and and the infamous match that we're referring to, Penta won that match. It was super close. And Shiko went off. I casted that match I'm, with Bloodbath. Yeah. It, and, <laughs> but, but, but correct me if I'm wrong, Pinta won that, right? Pinta won, was, yeah, on map three. It, it was like, it what? Was, it, was, yeah. it was Coastline, Consulate, and yeah. I can't remember the other map. But Was um, it a best of three at the time, or wasn't it just two maps? No, it was best of three. That's when we did, that's when we did two best of threes a day. Yeah, we're digging into the vault what here. What was the last map? I, I know it was Coastline. I know it was Consulate. Yeah, I remember those two. Huh. I don't remember. Somebody will have to let us know. I don't remember what the third map was. Oregon? I don't remember it being Oregon. Clubhouse? People are saying Clubhouse. Mm. I don't remember. I don't. I remember Consulate and Coastline like vividly, yeah. but I don't remember Oregon, apparently. I don't People think that's Oregon. <laughs> I don't think that's fair to, to 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 try to say that to to either parties involved. In all honesty, you have no idea. No, maybe B Genius implodes. Maybe you know what I mean. You have no idea what would what would have happened in either scenario. Well, we and... got to see B Genius when Shaco was off of it. Like, don't get me wrong, Shaco is a, a, just a stupid good player. But that team without him, they're a relegation squad waiting to happen in the most competitive region and at the time. Yeah. Oh, like, right. Right. I mean, there, there's literally proof. Like at the end of the day, like, like Shiko is an insane player. There's no, there's no denying that. But like, at the end of the day, you can't just like carry a team. And like that team was significantly weaker than BDS yes. in terms mm-hmm. of structure, the players on it, everything. And then even then, like BDS, they just finally got like big success. Like yeah. they, they, they had a good they run at SI, and then they, but, just, they went to the yeah. stars. They had a good run at SI, but like it was still like super close matches against everyone they played. And like even then, like their their finish wasn't like it wasn't they didn't win, right? So yeah. it wasn't like making that argument that G2's era would never have happened, like G2 was dominating everyone. Like yeah. there's I it's so hard to make that argument just off of one player being there. Uh yeah. I mean, look That's, at how competitive EU was outside of B Genius for that. You know, you had Ents who were at top form at that point. You had Millennium who were good enough to win DreamHack Austin just a couple months later. You know, those that's just and that's just that's two teams. Then you have yeah. Empire on the rise. At that point, yeah. you still had Snook and Nose, who then became IDK before Team Secret, that they were also very, very strong. You know, so you've got you've got a couple teams that are really competitive, and then Mocket was starting to rise up at that same point, which was like one of the three different Mockets. This is the German team I'm talking about, and yep. you know, so there's too many teams for you to for you to confidently say that. I mean, I get it. Like, kudos to Rams for making a a hot take. Like a I mean, hot take. That was a hot take. That's a caliber Jacob level hot take. So at least he's <laughs> he's getting Rams is getting to those levels. 
I think he did, he did put something like ridiculous. Like he said, it was like like fan fiction or something. Like, yeah. yeah, he put fan so fiction like, at the end. But I mean, well, yeah, and maybe maybe I mean maybe he was just saying it to try to drive conversation. Like I, I think, guess I, I tweet I, stuff I, I don't believe that, just to get reactions out of people. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of got that vibe. Okay, uh, that, I mean, my rogue tweet the other day was was literally just rogue loss and i was like blow up the team it's like you just then i'm like i tweeted it being like some people are gonna be so mad at this and then and then super was like didn't they just make two roster changes and i was like thank you for like yeah like i I, like i know that's why i made that tweet like leon and karzeka have like barely settled into this team like i get it but it's like sometimes twitter's so bad for that Hmm? twitter is so bad for that trying to get a joke across Dude, you know what I mean? Like, Twitter fucking sucks. It's so hard to do. So bad. Like, (laughs) there are times where you like tweet things that are very obviously a joke, and people just don't understand it. And the other thing too is, and and this something we talked about on the podcast before is, it's like it's not that people don't get it. It's that uh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but from casting all the different regions, I have a fair amount of followers who, you know, speak Portuguese or speak French or speak you know German, etc. And they have to translate the tweet, and sometimes, oh yeah, sometimes auto translate blows it. Yeah, yep. and it completely misses the intent behind what you're saying yep so um now that we talked about all the majors etc uh we can we can get back into the eu major later but i mean it happened rogue needs to fix something etc i want to get on to something that a lot of people probably want to hear about uh which is operation shadow legacy which is your wheelhouse if you think about it because you're a content creator mr flanked so mm-hmm. uh obviously a lot of things announced sam fisher who is codenamed zero um, which is like whatever. I mean, they could they should have just named him like Sam. Sam, yeah. What but then people sense? people said, oh well, they don't use real names. And I'm like, yeah. What about Zofia and Ella? You fucking goobers. Yeah, our like, team's not calling him Sam. We're calling him Tim. Apparently, that was the <laughs> Tim. That was the consensus we reached. Yeah, I don't know. We were, we were playing ranked, and Nate decided on Tim because we can't say Sam and we can't say Zero because Zero's Bosco's dog. So if we start calling <laughs> Zero and Scrims, he's gonna go fucking crazy. I, I so. I will say this, and I, I said this about Ace, and I'll say this again now. Ubisoft needs to start naming them like things that aren't like words that are used in callouts or used in casting, etc. Because yeah. I, it's cool that we have an operator named Ace. We have two players named Aces. We have a caster named Ace, and there's a there's a term in FPS games called getting an Ace. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know how confusing it is to to add an operator whose name is ace because now it's just like congratulations now everything's just and now we have zero as well which is less applicable than ace but still just like yeah. just name we, just call, we just call ace captain underpants that seems, like a, very wor- that, that seems like a very wordy call out right <laughs> yeah no, that we call like ace, a but you know if his I guys should off. be called sam cams you know that, i just feel like mm. that's, a, that's a missed opportunity right there that's actually a good that one pretty good yeah that's yeah. a good one yeah. um so there's there's a number of things that changed uh, outside of outside of Sam Fisher coming in. Uh, you've got all of the new optics slash reticles slash sites that have been added. Uh, Chalet's been reworked. Uh, the replay system is being tested. There's a brand new ping system, which is very controversial. Um, mm. Roof hatches, yada yada yada. So let's start by talking about Sam Fisher. I flanked. We're both quite old, so we probably both grew up on on Splinter Cell. So, what were your immediate thoughts? Did you get to test the content ahead of time, by the way? Not far ahead of time. I got the early. Uh, I got to test it like the week leading up to the release. Uh, I never, I never played Sam before that. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, from from the first time that I saw his concept and I actually went and saw how easy it was to put out his Sam cams. Uh, I recognize him as a very strong operator. I mean, he's got basically he's walking around with the AK-12 with less recoil uh, and um, five less rounds in the mag. That's, I guess, how they're trying to balance it. Uh, and then he's got uh, instant flank watch that he can shoot around. Uh, he can also clear some utility if you are in the right circumstance uh, with one of those apps. And uh, I mean, as we all know, I mean, Intel is absolute king. Like if there's one thing in this game that you can never have enough of, it is Intel and the ability for him to do that. And then you throw on that he has frags. So you look at four cams that do interact with all my magnets and ADSs and then two frags. So, I mean, if I'm not saying it's the preferred use of his gadget, but you could find yourself in a situation where he's clearing his own ADSs and fragging people out. There's just so many different ways you can use him. And when you combine that with the Ping 2.0, holy cow, you've got the makings for a really impactful operator. Yeah, he's going to be strong. He's going to be strong. Too strong? Um, I don't know about too strong, because I feel like you have to use him well to use him. Like, you're, you're sacrificing something to use him, you know? Like, he doesn't... It, I guess it depends on your bands, too, but, like, as far as, like, the whole utility clear thing, like, he doesn't necessarily bring guaranteed utility which could be a problem and also like it, when you're bringing nades on the flank watch that's already something that's like a bit awkward because yeah. like your flank watch isn't always in position to use the nades well this is a, strictly speaking competitively um so that's a bit awkward but i do think if you like you can ban like if you're if you're banning Wamai or jaeger or like it can make him a bit better or if you're using his cams really well like it won't be as much of a problem also, like I think it can change the pace of the game. Like you can play a lot more for picks and play a lot more off the info because you you have so much extra info now, um, and like you can just use whether it's you're using cams to find picks or if you're using the cams purely for flank watch and now you have extra drones to drone things out. Like there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, but there, yeah, there, there's tons of options, and I think uh, I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, like I don't even know how it's going to develop yet because I think there's I think there's a skill gap to them. Um, I think people people will be able to use them like significantly better than than other people, and uh, for sure, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But I, I think he's a good addition. I don't think it's too problematic. I think if things add up, we might need like an IQ defender kind of thing, but. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. I like it. Um, who does he take up the role of in a perfect world? Who is he taking up the role of on a team? That, that's the thing. It's hard to say. Like, I feel like it's got to be Thatcher almost, but then some maps is still worth bringing Thatcher over him. And then, like, as far as flank watch goes, like, Nomad still is like a completely different beast with flank watching, right? It's, I feel like it's very niche. I don't even know if it just like fits in for a slot, I feel like you kind of build your play style around it to, to a degree. Like, I don't think it's just like he, you throw him in, in place of nomad. Cause he doesn't bring like what nomad brings, right? Like nomad brings flashes and he brings nades and then the flank watch. Like you can just kind of leave the air. What's his there secondary gadget? Is it a down. claymore? Yeah. It's frag grenades, frag grenades and claymore. Is yeah. That it? And claymore, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, would you I, yeah. rather have an air jab on a flank watch or a Sam cam? I mean, probably an air jab. 
I think it depends. There, there's some flanks where like an air drive, like if you're not near it, like it doesn't really do much. It kind of tells you it went off, but like you'd rather have the camera and see where that person goes, right? Right. Um, but then there's flanks that you're close to and you'd much rather have an air drive because if they try to shoot it, you're going to kill them. If they hit it, you're going to kill them. Um, so I think, I think it just depends. And also like Nomad is a lot better on maps where you want to protect runouts, right? Because you don't have to actively watch it. Like consulate's a great example, right? Like if you the the projector windows, like nomading that, or like the front door, um, the yellow door, like all those examples, right? Nomad's completely different from yeah, the the sand cams. Like you're not you're not gonna be able to call a guy jumping at a projector in time to where it's gonna have any effect, right? You need to either be actively watching with that with a gun or you need to have an air jab on it. Um or a claymore, I guess. Uh but yeah, so I think it, it's very specific for that but i think it'll be up to teams and and how they want to use uh zero and we'll we'll just see but i think i think there's options for both ways and i think that it's interesting because it's like a play style defining operator um there's no not necessarily like a clear-cut right answer like i don't think you you should be running no matter or you should be running zero i think it's dependent on how your team wants to play trying to think of another comparison that we have right now um i think he's very unique like yeah i mean the only the only thing i feel like you can compare him to is like valk on defense yeah but there's nothing on attack a great point like for anybody who's thinking that his i mean i'm just taking his cams and saying that his cams are overpowered how can you make that argument and not say that valkyrie is in that territory as well because think about valkyrie like she's on defense she gets to spread out her cams in the prep phase now granted she can't throw them outsize and then she's guaranteed depending on that camera location that an attacker is going to enter that area they have to in order to win the round okay whereas sam has to in most situations there's going to be exceptions where you can shoot it through a window and stuff but in most situations sam's going to have to take map control to set up a cam and then there's no guarantee that a rumor is going to come from that flank watcher wherever he has that that camera so i think if it's one of those situations like we've said before like countless times like if pulse was introduced today people would lose their minds if fuse was introduced today people would lose their minds i i do think that sam is strong and i think that four cameras may end up being too too much but it's hard for me to say that those cameras are OP when Valkyrie exists on defense. I just Didn't you I have a video saying nerf Valkyrie a couple days ago. Mm. Uh, I've, I've, I don't like Valk. That's no. I secret. was going to say I, I don't, I don't think I don't think she needs Valkyte here. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think she needs a nerf. I agree with you. Like you can't make the argument that Valk is OP if if you don't say zero as and vice versa, right? Like I feel like they're kind of in the same category. I think they're just both strong. I don't think either's OP. I feel like the only argument you can make to like zero being possibly more OP is just that there's no like defender counter, right? Like at the end of the day, there's an attacker counter to Valkyrie. You Multiple. IQ? Yep. Yep. Multiple. Right? Well, like IQ is the only real one. Direct like, counter, but the the other one IQ is the only real one. I mean, IQ and Doe. For sure. IQ and Doe. That's the only arguments I would make. What? What are you going to say? Like Thatcher? Like. I think Thatcher can work as a ban. I think at lower ranks, we're not talking top level competitive. I think at lower ranks, Twitch operates as a as a pretty decent Valk counter as well. Is he still no. Seer? You could mention Nook, no. but again, that's not 
Doke, Doke, Doke to me is second Valk, after okay. IQ. Valk may be at a very low level, but like at that point, like Valk isn't fucking good anyways. If people are throwing shit cans, Valk isn't good. Like, period. You, need you, to, you don't you even need, need an sink. IQ at that point. You need to every, sink every, those, those levels. Every, everyone, everyone's a good like everyone's a good counter IQ if the Valk fucking because everyone could shoot the can. Like what? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't agree. With that. The, the only the real counter shoot him in the head. Nice man. The only real counter is IQ, and I mean it's a hard counter. Like at the end of the day, I think you can play Valk like and throw them in positions. And this is where I think there's a skill gap: is you can throw them in positions where it's hard for the IQ to deal with them. Yes. But the thing is, like a lot of people don't do that. People at pro level don't do that. Like, uh, I I think there's a skill gap to it, and I think there's going to be the same with zero. I will say though, yeah, I think. There probably at some point will need to be some sort of counter for defenders to deal with zero because it might get out of control when people find really good spots for it. That's a good um, point. And but, let me but just... the prep phase thing you mentioned is a good point as well because you're kind of you you can kind of know when they get set up, right? Right. But you have the opportunity to hear it or whatever. Well, I think that Sam's cams are going to be easier to see for defenders as well, based yeah. upon what I've seen so far. But um, it, I, I don't haven't seen let me, what they look like, like on the other side outside of the video. What's that? I haven't seen how noticeable they are. Oh, they're they're pretty big and it's a pretty bright like orange light. So I think that'll be pretty noticeable. But it's like the size of a electric mean, claw, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, is, yeah it looks it looks like an orange electrical like an electric yeah. claw with an orange light. Um. As far as like the the Valk thing, like I don't like Valk on a personal level, but I don't think that she should be nerfed significantly anyway. Maybe a, a tweak I could see in the future, but um, I, I the the my thing is I just don't like I don't like Valkyrie because uh, on a, on a personal level, but uh, I agree you with like you one hundred percent. The thing that makes Valkyrie balanced is one IQ is a hard counter, and two you have to there like. IQ is, I mean, Valkyrie is a skill operator. You have to have map knowledge. You have to learn the good Valk cams. You have to learn the trajectory of the Valk cams. You have to, like, all that makes me think, like, she should not be heavily nerfed in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, not even so you, if I was the boss for a day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But yeah. I don't like her. I, is that, does that make sense no, at all? No, no, that makes sense to me. Because she yeah. is, she's super frustrating, especially in an uncoordinated environment. Because if you're not bringing the IQ, like, solid chance like there's a solid chance those aren't getting dealt with right so yeah. you kind of have to bring an iq to yourself and even then like you're not controlling how fast your teammates move around the map so like if they're not giving you time to clear out cams or look for c4s or whatever it is like you're they're gonna die anyways and then it doesn't even matter so i completely agree like it, it, unless you're playing in a competitive environment she can be pretty annoying because people don't deal with her well and like you can deal with her well, but it's you need to be coordinated and take your time and and that stuff to deal with her. I think, but I agree though also that it's a it's a skill based operator where yeah, like you're you're only gonna really punish. Obviously, it's a bit different when you're playing against less coordinated teams, right? You don't have to be as good at her, but I think at the highest level, like unless you're throwing really good cams that like make a lot of sense, where the IQ can't deal with it, or unless you're like six picking to it when they're not bringing IQ. Or putting them in yeah. the right spot and like knowing the tendencies of the other team, like you're not going to get as much use out of her. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into it, but I agree that she can, she can, she can be annoying without a doubt because when yeah, when she's going crazy, like it feels like there's not much you can do. I like Valk a lot. Um, she's like one of my favorite operators 
uh, on defense, she's my second favorite operator after Smoke. Um, I think that she's also incredibly versatile at the lower ranks. Um, you know, there are many times when I'd be playing, especially in Europe, where you people just don't communicate or can't communicate because they speak different languages. Having a Valk that's like semi-competent is a lifesaver. Even if it's not you, having a Valk set up cams that then you can play off of, oh, yeah. you need less coordination. So I know that some people may not like that, and I do agree Valk is quite strong. She's an extremely versatile op. There's very rare occasions where you don't need her or won't bring her, and a lot of teams have made her work on maps, especially over like the last year and a half. I feel like teams have started bringing her on maps where she wasn't always played a lot. And I mean... She's like the best fragging operator on defense in Latin America for crying out loud. So yeah, she's versatile and I like her a lot. I can understand where the, the complaints about her needing a, a nerf come from, but I think if you look at all the defenders that I'd like to see nerfs, she's not really top of my list. Um, sure. I get that. You know, and, and on top of that, I, you know, I, I'm very curious to see how Ace and Malusi debuting shakes things up on uh, on both sides of the equation but yeah the next topic that um uh that i think is it actually ties into this one really well is is what valk brings to the table in terms of communication um and the, what the new ping system is going to do to that because mm. ping 2.0 is I, I i would say with the exception of the scopes has been by far and away the most talked about among the pro scene People saying that it's going to it's going to kill the skill ceiling in this game, that it's going to, you know, absolutely murder communication, that it makes the game far too easy because you can just ping anything now. And I, I want Troy's opinion on this one first, because you're going to be the one that's going to be playing against it. And I'm sure you've probably got some thoughts because if you don't, yeah. then you might be the only pro player that hasn't openly shared their <laughs> thoughts about it. It's it's problematic when it comes to paying people. I mean, gadgets, it's okay. I It probably shouldn't be in the pro scene, I think. So turn it off um, for... I feel like it should be turned off the pro scene. I think. But I, I see like where the arguments made that it isn't. Like, there's like the ping system in like League of Legends or Dota, stuff like that, right? That's It's still in the game and competitive. Teams even use it sometimes. But... Um, it's just, it's very strong. If it, if it wasn't for the pinging people, like if you couldn't ping someone's position just without them saying you've been spotted, mm -hmm. it would be all right. Like it, the pinging gadgets, yeah, it would take like some communication away or like maybe make IQ a little less relevant with some things, but she'd still be relevant just for the sake of Echo and Valk. Right. Um, I think if it, if it wasn't for the, yeah, the pinging people, it wouldn't be as much of a problem, but the pinging people, that's a bit too strong with, uh, with pre-placed drones. I saw a video where somebody just like pings a spot on the floor and was like, there's somebody there. And then they just get frag grenaded from below. And it's like, yeah. I understand that. The one thing is, is that when you get spotted on a drone, they know where you are. Like they, you know, and you know, that they know where you are and you can make some evasive maneuvers if need be or move exactly. from that spot, especially if you're standing on, on a floor where you can get naded or bucked through or, or yes. shot at, et cetera. Yeah. If you get spotted, like, you know, they're, you know, they're onto something like people aren't just spotting you for no reason. Mm. Uh, well, in competitive at least. So yeah, I, it can be a bit too strong because 
it can get to the point, right, where if you can just ping someone, right, like with the, the Z ping or the ping 2.0 or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you just ping their location like that when they're sitting still, like you, that person's never going to move. So you can do it and you can shoot. Like there's no urgency, right? Yeah. Like the reason there's a grenade thing is like you have to communicate it with your team. Like the guy's cooking the nade and he's like, all right, get ready to ping him. You jump the drone out, scan the guy, and then he gets the mark and he just throws it last second, right? And it's like a very small window thing. And I think that takes a lot of skill and communication. It does. It does. But the Z ping, like, there's just like, all right, go like go stand near here. All right, get ready. I'm gonna Z ping it. And just so you keep pinging the guy just lines up, takes his time. He, there's no there's no rush to it. And he can just shoot. Yeah. Um so I th- I think it's problematic because there's not really like there's no counter to that. Um it's yeah. like you can make the argument the counter is like, well, don't let a drone get in that place, but like that's easier said than done um, <laughs> especially late round you know what i mean it's one oh, thing yeah. to say that in the prep phase you know what i mean but in a late round situation you're in a 2v2 and you, you, utility soak has already happened and uh there's a lot going on for defenders it's very it's, it's very realistic to get a drone in sight in that circumstance mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. should a drone insight at that point be able to have that effect i would argue no i'm very concerned about the yellow ping as well i have zero issue with the red ping on gadgets i love that i think that's a good enhancement to the game for the average player but the yellow ping i'm very concerned with for one i think that i think that it's going to make defenders feel like they can't sit still Uh, i think that you might see a a, a situation maybe a season or two down the line where a defender is like i can't sit here anymore i've got to always be strafing and introducing some silly mechanic like that where they just like yeah. even even more twitchy than they're what, gonna feel like yeah. a, a twitch streamer exactly <laughs> getting stream sniped you can never sit still right yeah. right right i'm getting i also alone. worry about i i also worry about pro viewership if the if the pros are as good get as good as with this as i think that they might or is it going to be really fun to watch people just getting floor banged all day long you know with the g8 or yeah. and and is the spectator going to be able to give us a good grasp on that? Are you casting that going to be able to keep up with that? How are you going to know as a caster that somebody is getting ready to get yellow pinged yeah. and be able to keep it and, and, and let us know and tell that story? I don't think it'll happen like an absurd amount, but I just I don't think it should happen, period. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't think it'll be happening all the time. You're not going to just get those situations at all. It just doesn't it doesn't work out like that. But yeah, I think, like, I feel like it should be possible for them to change it to where, like, you can just only ping gadgets. Or, like... We, we had um, JB on the right. on the podcast, and the way that he explained it, he's well aware they're tracking this, and okay. um, he's well aware. But his explanation was that, for them, it made sense for you to have the same mechanics when you're looking through a drone as when you're looking through first person. Why Why can I yellow ping in first person, but not on a drone? And I understand the argument against it from a gameplay perspective, but from a logical perspective, I think is where he was coming from. Let's just make it easy for players that you always have the same ping mechanics, no matter whether you're in first person or third person. Um, so that was, that was his explanation, and I get it. And the other thing you have to keep in mind, a huge emphasis for them ever since Invitational, you've heard him mention it a thousand times, they want to make the spectating experience after you die in Siege, they want that that player to feel like they have more to do. And they want that aspect of Siege to be more entertaining. And uh, I think I don't necessarily agree with, by the way. I feel like it already is. Like, if you're 
doing it right. It's just you have to right. you just have to communicate well. You um, also need to be playing the game at a high enough level that there's actually things to do because how many times yeah, well, yeah. if you're if no if one's you're bringing under, any info. Yeah, if you're under if you're under plat and you're playing in a solo queued rank game and everybody drives their drones into the bomb site during the prep phase, they all get shot. They use their drones to drone themselves in. They get shot or mute jammed. You know, there's so you die and there's a single drone up and it's like in the middle of no man's land and none of your team brought any intel. It's like, well, what are you going to do now? You're dead. You just wait. Yeah. Which is which honestly, the game shouldn't be balanced around people who just throw their lives away like that. But unfortunately, we see with a great deal of, of every game, the casual community doesn't play the game optimally. That's why they aren't high level. And you end up having to kind of dumb down aspects of the game to people who can't quite get it. Dude, I, I, I'm still incredibly amazed with how many plats don't even use their drones. Like, yeah, you're, you're plat three, plat two, and you just drive your drone in the middle of the bomb site in the prep phase and then never throw your second one out for the remainder of, of the round. And it's like, what are you doing? You're supposed mm-hmm. to be a high rank. Why do you play this poorly? So, sorry. No, I I think that, that that's uh, completely accurate, and um, you know it's it's one of those things where you're never going to be able to fix that with with anything, and it's, so do you want to change the game to try to accommodate those types of people? But uh, one thing to make us feel a little bit better, I like JB mentioned several times that they are monitoring, like the skill gap is something that they are fully aware of, and they don't want to mess with it that much, and. Again, they're, they're they have a close eye on this, so who knows what what will happen with it? But uh, I think that um, if it's up to me, yellow ping goes back to the way it was. Keep the red ping, yellow ping yeah. goes back to the way it was. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that'd be ideal. Right. Or keep it in casual. Yeah, don't maybe don't even put that. it in rank. Don't put it in unranked. Don't put it in in pro play. That's the thing. I, I feel like it will only really carry over to pro play. Like, I don't even think it will carry over that much to rank. Maybe like maybe at very high ranks when teams like are really trying, because e- like even when I play rank, like a lot of the time there's not park drones. Sometimes there are, though. It just it's very dependent. There's not um, what? Like parked drones where like, oh. you can just Z ping someone easily and it's just yeah. hidden and you're not moving it. Um, but that it's that's inconsistent. Like, but at top at the top level, like that's always going to be a thing. Um, so it's I feel like it won't translate to a lot of other things, and it mostly only affects the pro play. Um, but I I'd be cool if it literally like it because I like the idea of in at least for like casual or ranked or whatever for other players to be able to like Z ping gadgets or yellow ping just the gadgets. No other yellow pings though. If if that worked on a drone, that like that would be even fine to me because like I like the idea of it because that, I think that is something hard to communicate. It's hard for me to communicate it sometimes. It's it's ten times easier when I'm at a team house because or like when I'm playing with my teammates because I do it all the time. Is I get on my drone and if I see something, I point at it on my screen and I just like have my teammate look at it. And I still do it all the time. I'm starting to get used to where I can just ping it. Yeah. Um, but like. Calling out like an ADS location, like that's something hard to do. Sometimes, yeah, it's on the right? banister because like, it, 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 like it's the in two walls and it's, yeah, it's like a lot of the time it's like on, in the middle of the floor somewhere, and it's like how like how do you describe that sometimes? Yeah, and and teams don't have callouts for like that exact position just in the middle of the floor, um, so you just kind of have to 
you, you have to use more words like, oh, a little to the right of the bomb and statue or something or like whatever it is. But uh, I, yeah, so I think the, the, the yellow ping is good for gadgets, but not for just pinging the ground. My thing is, I don't mind them making parts of the game more accessible. And, and you know, the, they just added a whole host of accessibility options. The colorblind option um, is something, you know, I'm not colorblind, but I still think that it's something that should be in every game. You know, an accessibility should be king in every single game because there are already physical barriers for certain gamers to play. There shouldn't be barriers in the game, be it audio, visual, etc., and, yeah. you know, some changes are fine. And the ping system, I think, is really handy because it, it standardizes callouts. And, you know, when I'm in North America, I really don't have much of an issue communicating with my teammates. When I was in Europe, there were certain games where it's like nobody would talk and you would try to talk to them and you'd get you'd get like somebody saying something in a language that isn't English. And you just realize that you're not going to be able to talk to your teammates. And right now you ping something. What does that ping mean? Does that mean reinforce this? Does that mean shoot open the floor? Does that mean that there's somebody there? Does that mean, you know, I, I put a goo mine down there, you know, like you don't, you don't know. And then the other aspect of it is there's a lot of women on Twitter that have been talking about how they're very thankful for a ping system because they don't want to talk because of the harassment that they get when they go to say, go to make a call out, they go to say something in game. And then a bunch of, you know, man, children make sexist jokes. So that's good too. And it also works. It's not just for women. It's also, you know, people with speech impediments or lisps or, you know, accents that have received hate for the way that they sound as well. So all of these things are good. Like all of these, all of these changes that they've made are good because it's going to cut down on the harassment. It's going to make communication easier, et cetera. But at the same time, I do think it's a very fine balancing act. And I, and I worry, and I've, I've already seen plenty of it. I worry that it's making it too easy to communicate and that there is going to be a potential mechanic here that's abused slash broken which is why i think that the the choice you can make is that even keep it in the game as is just don't put it in ranked don't put it in pro play and i mean i'm fine with that personally i don't know if everybody else is going to agree with me i don't really care if they do but for me it's like i'm fine with casual stuff staying in casual and let the casuals have at it i don't think it changes anything and i hate to say it like if you're playing casual and you're expecting to like strat and sweat you're probably in the wrong place <laughs> yep. so agreed yeah um what was the uh what do you want to get to next involving uh shadow um, legacy is there anything troy that jumps out to you i mean we can talk about the scopes or even the hard breach charge we can talk about both those I well, like the also the reinforcement pool is something we got to talk about yeah well. let's start with that Reinf reinforcement Re pool yeah uh, that might be the single greatest quality of life change oh, ever yeah. introduced into siege and i mean there's been a lot of them over the time that siege has been out but i can't think of anything that's going to have a bigger impact every single round than that yes i will i will say I've I've heard a lot of instances of like people trolling with it, which oh, but, okay, okay, I mean, okay, but you can still, no matter what, you're still going to be able to get two reinforcements in sight faster than they can get two reinforcements in somewhere useless. Oh well, yeah, yeah, but because, also like people that just aren't reinforcing at all, like oh, oh okay, you know, okay, I got like, you. Th okay. Those kind of guys. 
All right. But but yes, I I see what you're getting at though. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, the 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 guys that are just not reinforcing anything at all. Yeah. I don't know like what you can do about that, but like I'm telling oh my god, it's so nice for competitive. It's so nice for competitive. Like just not having to have your smoke and mute just waste their whole round away like just let them shotgun whatever they want and like I'm just running around on pulse getting like six reinforcements around. Like we were dry running the other day and we we're just like someone someone was on an op that could reinforce everything and we we're like, all right, what are what are all the walls we need here? And we like listed them off and it was like six walls. We're like, all right yeah, Bosco, you'll get all six of those. <laughs> we we're like, we can't believe we said it, but it was like completely serious and it like works just fine. It's like, yeah, you just get six walls. And like it's perfect. Um it's so nice. I, I think it brings it allows for a lot more creativity and setups and like just a better flow for the game. Because like when you make rotation holes everywhere or open up hatches or the holes you want, like it just I feel like the flow of the game is a lot more interesting. Cause that that kind of stuff, like rotation holes and and like just holes in the floor, angles that are made, that kind of stuff, like that's not like a utility part of the defender setup that you have to deal with. It's just kind of just it changes how the map is played. And I find that so interesting. Cause like it's no matter what, like the attackers can find a way to deal with it usually. Um, yeah, and I just yeah, I, I think it, it makes every every match every every map more exciting because of it because there's just there's so many more options. I like the fact that uh, too that I think this isn't a big deal, but something to think about. Like on say Bank or um, Clubhouse, if the other team's running a jackal, you can send one of your anchors to go do every yeah. single hatch, and your roamers can take a different route, and yeah, that's those. Point. Those footprints are not going to be in that guaranteed spot that, that a jackal could always go to before. Yep. Um, that's one thing that I'm really liking about it, and just, um, yeah, like, like, like I've always I play a lot of pulse as well, and I've always felt like the prep phase for pulse is like, man, I wish I could help more. You know, you're looking at you're you're looking at Jaeger around like trying to do everything, and yeah, this is great for that. The the prep phase for pulse secret before was always hunting down drones. <laughs> I think the, the competitive players know that. Like I do it, Jarvis I know does it. There's a lot of. I mean, the achieve does it a lot. That that's the move. Hop on the default cams, look for drones outside, just just hunt down the drones. I I just love it from a because I'm always and I've I've slowly but surely over the course of this podcast, slowly but surely I have started taking the. Oh, I'm going to talk about casual, and I'll let Troy talk about competitive, just so that there's like kind of. Mm-hmm. Which probably isn't good for my own reputation because he's going to be like, all he does is talk about ranked and casual players. It's a and filthy it's like, casual. Yeah, and it's like I need to. But anyway, I think I mean, it's a perspective it's that needs to be here. But yes. I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people that watch this can absolutely relate. And these changes obviously don't just happen to competitive play. I mean, you look at certain operators. You look at Castle and Capkin. They really jump to mind. You know, fucking time to reinforce. And now that Castle's got the super shorty as well, like. That man is taking a minute to set everything up. It's so nice when you've got other people to reinforce for you. Capkin in particular, yes. you want to go off and you want to you want to put your you know EDDs down on doorways across the map. Cool. You're gonna reinforce first, or are you still gonna be setting down your second trap by the time an Ash sprints in and kills you, right? And I, I think a lot of ranked players can definitely relate to you're playing a map like let's say the the first example that jumps to my mind is is CCTV Cash Clubhouse. You've got the two walls leading out on a cash balk or CCTV balk. You've got the, mm. the you've got the four walls in garage that you want to get. 
You've got the one wall in construction that you definitely need to get, and then the two walls in construction in the cache. Those are usually default, unless you've got some crazy setup where you shoot out that cache wall into security or in a, in a construction, you're playing further back, etc. Those are usually your default ranked walls. The amount of times I'm playing on that bomb site and just that construction wall is not reinforced mm. or the garage walls are not reinforced. And it's just like, thank God I can take matters into my own hands now because we've got a vigil roaming over in jacuzzi or by jacuzzi wall, or we've got somebody roaming in the basement waiting on a late flank. And it's like, I'm stuck there being like, well, I guess we're just not reinforcing the wall. Guess that's soft. Yeah, I guess that's, guess that's soft and we're just gonna have to play around it. Next thing you know, you, you don't even hear, you just hear the poof from the Zofia launcher and you're like, well, we're doomed. So... No, there's nothing I hated more than like if if I wasn't like in a full stack of ranked and I just like I see people go upstairs on basement defense on clubhouse. I see two guys go upstairs. So I'm like, all right, the hatches are done. Like we got the hatches then. And then all of a sudden, like I, I go, I finish my reinforcements. I get back to army. I look up and I see the kitchen hatch soft. My heart sinks, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? Like at least normally like you can impact it, like try to keep that hatch closed. But no, it's just soft. It's like, all right, good fucking luck. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, round starts, round starts, you spawn in church with three other people, two other people. Your Jaeger and your your Vigil are both, they just, they're gone. They go up the stairs and you're like, sweet, that's four reinforcements gone. Yeah. And then, and then, I, yeah, and then you're playing in blue and you look up and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? What the? What the, what? Like, what was this guy doing? Yeah, where did you go? He's got up and he's re he's just reinforced one of the jacuzzi walls and he's impacting the other one. chilling in strip club, like... <laughs> Honestly, there are some players, and I like you alluded to earlier, even up in the plat you see this, which, you know, which is where I spend my time, um, who I think, they don't play Rainbow Six Siege, they play Rainbow Six Spawn Peak. Yeah. It, it's everything. It's, if they're on defense... The beginning of the round, the beginning of the prep phase is I'm going to go spawn peak. So I'm going to go to where I'm getting ready to spawn peak and I'm going to wait there and then I'm going to spawn peak and then I'm going to get a kill or I'm going to die and then we'll do it again next round. And that is defense for them. Yes. They, they spend their whole prep phase like mentally preparing themselves for the spawn <laughs> they, peak. They, we're, they're like we're sitting there like meditating. In, the door, they punch the door and they just stay there and they're psyching themselves up. They're like, <laughs> I'm going to get They've been, they've been <laughs> droned out three times. They're like, yeah, some dickhead. Some dickheads running to... Let's go. <laughs> All right, now's my time. You, you died Start. They do a couple of quick jiggle peaks just to, you know, get the movement down. A couple, couple cred spams. They're feeling it. Uh, they I... miss their shot. They come back to site. Oh, shit. I forgot to reinforce. Doc, nice, Doc's man. trying to put up a wall, just gets killed from behind. You're like, mm. you're 40 seconds into the round, bud. What do you think you're trying to do? Like, what are you going to do there? I, I like it. And, and the thing that kind of pissed me off and it, it, the same conversation happened when they instituted uh, reverse friendly fire damage. I said that in casual, what they should do immediately is just make all team damage reverse. Just mirror it right away. So if your teammate wants to like fuse the bomb site, then they're going to kill themselves and then it starts to do damage to other people. Like, whatever. <laughs> And people immediately say, well, oh, then, then, then people will just stand in front of you and then you'll shoot them and hurt yourself. And I'm like, how is that worse than them just killing you? <laughs> you know, and people said the same thing about reinforcements. And it, like, it kind at least of you bums, can stop shooting. <laughs> it kind of bums me out that immediately, you know, you talked about glass half empty, glass half full earlier on when talking about teams. 
And I, I think that it, it, I mean, it's deeper than that. And a lot of people saying, oh, you know, well, why are we pooling reinforcements? Now people are just going to run across the map and reinforce. Oh, they're just going to, and it's like, they can already do that. You know, like number yeah. one, they can already do that. Yeah. They can, they can do worse. There's so many different levers in Rainbow Six that you pull to just fuck with people. There's so many of them. You can destroy their gadgets. There's no way to stop that. You know, you can, you can sit in front of them. You can destroy drones if you're on attack. Like, well, like, Stop thinking about the negatives and think about the positives because adding like grouped reinforcements, there's a huge upside to that. Yeah. You know, and if you go it a little bit farther and you give like, let's say you just gave like Mira's secondary shotgun to every defender. Think about the possibilities that defense could have if now you pooled a shotgun. And you could now have not just certain operators being on reinforcement duty, but you don't just have to have your smoke or your mute do site setup now you can spread yeah. that out and it, it brings more versatility not that the defense needs it because defenders are already better than attackers statistically for basically every season but it still would be an interesting thing to see and i, I yeah, just it, it pisses me off it pisses me off that just everybody's like oh people are going to troll with it as if that's like a valid reason well, not to people, do it people are trolling anyways if a guy runs yeah. to like some irrelevant part of the map and gets down more than two reinforcements you're already trolling like like yeah, should, yeah, that should it shouldn't be possible. That guy shouldn't be able to run across the map yeah. to like some fucking liable spot or fucking costing spot and like start reinforcing everything and like have that much time. You you have plenty of time on the site. You can get like four walls done before yeah. he can get those two done. I, yeah. And I'm I'm the kind of guy where it's like I like pooling that sort of stuff. We've talked yeah. about pooled secondary gadgets as well on here, which I know yeah. a lot of, you know, was, was a semi-controversial opinion. And I, I think there's a, I mean, be, I'm not going to say that there's no logic behind it because I'm, that would be insulting myself and my own logic. So I think there's logic behind it, but I like the idea of at the top level of allowing teams that flexibility, which the, I think the pooled reinforcements is a, is a step in the right direction. And, you know, I think people will, people will settle in. Are people going to troll? As you pointed out, yeah, people are always going to troll. Oh, yeah. I've I've had people, like, I'm playing in plat and people are reinforcing between bomb sites or they're reinforcing a rotate hole that somebody made or, you know, and it's like, they can do it anyway. Yeah. Stop trying to balance for those people. Balance for the rest of the people who aren't fucking knuckleheads that are going to play the game properly and want to actually, you know, be able to get the strategy of Rainbow Six out of the game as it's intended to. Yeah. We've talked about it before, Parker, and I think one of the most annoying people in general, but especially in our community, I think one of the most annoying groups of people are the people who, whenever you throw out an idea, they pick some crazy straw man and say, it doesn't work because it doesn't solve this. Or the slippery okay? slope, where immediately yes, yes, they go yes. to the worth. They're like, well, what right. if, you know, what if this happened? And it's like, exactly. use nuance and understanding, you know? Yeah. yeah, just because it doesn't solve everything doesn't mean it's not something we should consider. Yeah. At the very least. Will it's this cause crazy. some pain? Well, then we just shouldn't do anything. Right. You know, it, that, that's the same guy that's like, he'd be in a dry room with his team, and they'd like work at this whole strat, and he'd be like, yeah, but what if Thermite gets spawn peak, bro? Like, <laughs> okay. Like, what? Like, sure. Yeah, that's a possibility. Don't get fucking spawn peaked. I don't know. It exists like, everywhere. No, you're right. You're right, though, Flanked. And it's... And I get it, and I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with asking what could go wrong. Right. You know, oh, we want to pool reinforcements. You can't just... You can't just bring that into the game without going through... 
what unintended consequences could come of it. Because every single change you make, there will be some downsides, right? Like there will be. But do the downsides outweigh the positives that come from it? And the answer with the with the team killing, the reverse friendly fire, was no. The negatives do absolutely not outweigh, you know, the the benefits that come with it. Same with pooled reinforcements. And I, I think it's honestly, I think it just comes down to human nature. I think it's people who are just, they're adverse to change. They don't like it and, and they're scared and they don't want things to change. And you also got to realize there's people with vested interests and in things staying the same because they're afraid that they're not going to be any good. Look at operators. You have, you have operators that are just fucking busted at somebody mains and then you nerf that operator that has, that has in the past cost pro players their careers because operators are no longer as good as they used to be. And next thing you know, that player on a team stinks and they get dropped from the team. And why did they get dropped from the team? Because Zofia got nerfed, because Echo got nerfed, because Lion got nerfed, and now they're not good enough to play at a pro level. So that one balancing change literally just cost them their career. So people have a vested interest in things staying the same. For sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, uh, is there anything else that we really want to dive into with with Shadow Legacy? Because there is a good pivot here. Um... Is there anything you want to talk about the hard breach secondary gadget or do you want to come back to that? Uh, I mean, I, there's not a ton to say about it. Um, I think it's an interesting change. I guess maybe I like that in the, in the reinforced hatches idea. The reinforced hatches aren't... That, it's, it's not going to be implemented. It's like yeah. being tested right now. Mm-hmm. Right. I, think it, I still think it's something we should talk about because I think it is controversial in a okay. sense. But... Um, the hard breach charge, I, th- I mean, I think it's an interesting addition. Like, it's not too strong. It can easily be impact denied. Like, uh, it a- automatically blows up when you place it. So, like, it's uh, like it's not like you could place it through a bunch of flashes to, like, stop from getting impact denied. It doesn't make, a like, a huge breach or anything. Like, I, th- I think it's pretty balanced. I think it's interesting, too. Um, on on the operators it brings, as, or that it's on as well, like, I think they chose good operators to put it on. Um, because it's like very utility heavy operators like Ying, I think is Monty one of them? Monty, Capital, Capital. Those are like Yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh, Lion wasn't exactly what came to mind, but like even then, like they're they're all utility heavy operators and like just bring like a small amount of hard breach to where it's like you you add more like global execute utility for your team, but you kind of lose out on like what you're bringing in terms of hard breach. I think it's interesting. Um yeah. I don't think there's a lot of instances where you could bring only that in competitive, but I do think you could bring it as like a secondary hard bridge sometimes, and I think it could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a cool change. I like it. I don't think it's too overpowered. I think it's in a in a good spot. I think, and I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it brings some some cool options, and I think it can mix some things up, bring some more operators out. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I, I like it as well. I think uh, the instance that comes to mind for me in ranked is a uh, bank uh, attacking the bottom floor there. If you if you now bring, uh, say, like a Thermite and a Capital and a Ying, you've got Capital and Ying utility for executes. You can still get two hatches with each of them bringing one. Thermite get, can get a, get a hatch and the plant wall. Um, you know, that's, that's something that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think... One of the other things that people are talking about a lot is like Clubhouse. If you look there, though, the problem would be that you could impact trick that really easy. If you're talking like Kitchen Hatch, if you're trying to get Kitchen Hatch 
with anything other than Habana, you're you're going to get impact oh, yeah. tricked, right? Yeah. So that doesn't make as much sense to me, but um, yeah, I I I really like it. Like I think that being able to say like I don't have to bring Habana and Thermite this round, and I can bring um, you know, because Nook has it as well. That's one of the ones. I don't. It doesn't make a ton of sense with her, but just like being able to like Capital, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated ranked um, operators in the game. Like mm-hmm. you see him you used very well. Him ranked. And uh, but in ranked, like you just don't. And I'm hoping this will shove him in that direction because if you can, if you can use Capital's utility, it, it solves so many problems for you. Like you, obviously, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but for the average ranked player, they just don't use him enough. So hopefully, no. that's see. I will say part of it is how like people play against you in rank. I actually don't think he's as good because people play like so aggressive in rank that like it's a liability to pull that crossbow out. Like true. Um. Yeah, you need you need people to be like held down so that you can pull at the crossbow, fire them at a position, whatever. Also, like people don't hold like just a a specific like bunkered position as often in ranked. So I think part of it is the playstyle, but I do think he's underutilized. Period, and I think he could be used more. He's, I mean, he's a really good operator, um, especially if there's no Wamai on the other team. Wamai Wamai is annoying for him though. I, I don't see Wamai a lot in ranked, but yeah, that's yeah he's he's not played as often yeah surprise surprise operators that are not sexy but are strong are not played all that yes. much yes um yeah. there is very much a, a ranked meta and i mean i cannot count the number of pros who tweet about how like i can't play ranked i mean troy yeah. you tweet enough about it where it's just like your ranked lineup is like somebody will begrudgingly play hard breach and then it's like ash zof iq buck or sledge and all they do is just run in and die and it's like tremendous you know thanks and this is why i know that people have differing opinions on this but this is why i really think one of the steps in the right direction is to split up queues and to do a solo queue and a team queue but then people will say we'll split the player base well we'll see but yeah um secondary hard breach is cool we talked about this i think on the very first podcast that we did actually about how the defenders all have pretty good options for their secondary gadgets and the attackers don't um and the attackers need better secondary gadgets um i think a hard breach one is fine i i mean i i'm sure there will be teams who will find a way to go without a hard breach and run two operators with those and try to make those work depending on the map and i think that's cool um, I don't know how I feel about surrogates for like Thermite, Hibana, Maverick, Ace. I don't know. It brings it brings options, which is something that we talked about with, you know, pooled reinforcements and allowing defenders to even maybe share shotguns or soft destruction. That would open up options as well. Attackers being able to offload hard breach duties. Something that I've talked about extensively is if Thatcher was never an operator and you just had that second, like an EMP as a secondary gadget, I think would open up a lot of, you know, opportunities too. But I mean, that was obviously Mm -hmm. something that's not really possible because they're not going to get rid of Thatcher, but it's, I would prefer that though. (laughs) That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, Thatcher is not his own operator. Thatcher's gadget is something that is shared and, you know, you have like one or two small EMPs and that's, you know, in place of flash. You could have such, you could have such like interesting lineups with that, I think. I don't think that's unrealistic. Like, I think that we're heading that direction. If you look at it, like, I think that what they're, what they're discovering in Rainbow Six Siege and what they're drifting towards is establishing what is like the foundation of what happens every round. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, one one's one's been hard breach. So they introduced this secondary gadget for the secondary hard breach. What you're mentioning, uh, Parker, is uh, site de- you know re- reconstruction. Yeah. So you know having something where every operator can deal with site reconstruction. Uh, another one would be uh, like clearing utility. So introducing something where every operator can clear utility. I wouldn't be surprised if not next season, but in the next year, two years, we find ourselves in a situation where every op- operator does have the option to deal with some of those fundamental, or more operators have the opportunity to deal with some of those fundamental every round situations. Yeah, I mean, the, the not to invoke the slippery slope thing here, but the only slippery slope that I do worry about is that you start to move in a direction where it becomes more like CSGO, where you know, operators lose their identities and they're kind of like, they're kind of basic and that, you know, you, sure. you've got a shared pool where people can just pick. And, and I mean, I think rainbow six is cool that they have like primary gadgets and all that. And then you can have your secondary gadget be whatever. I think my big argument has always been open up what secondary gadgets can be on which operators and stop balancing operators by saying, Oh, Buck is too strong. Let's just take his frag grenades. The frag grenades are not the problem with Buck. If his kit's working too well, the start of that is his gadget. So look at his gadget first. He shouldn't, uh, for me, Buck should be in a position where whether he has frag grenades or not, he's still worth picking. And we can now see that he lost frag grenades and now Buck has fallen off the map and everybody just runs Sledge. And obviously that changes how things work because Sledge can't throw his hammer at the ceiling above him like Buck can shoot out with the skeleton key. So that necessitates a change from teams. But I mean, you've just kind of pushed the problem onto Sledge now. If the issue yeah. was that Buck is too versatile, which I think he was, and a lot of players would say, you know, in North America in particular, and, and somewhat in Latin America, you know, Buck was your entry fragger and was a pretty good operator. All you've done now is just make Sledge the the entry. So, I don't know. I felt like there was a skill gap to Buck, though, and that's what I, like, that's why I didn't really necessarily like the nerf. Yes, he was too strong, but, like, at the end of the day, there was only a handful handful of people that could play him really well in my opinion he's not an easy were, operator to play and a lot of people no, have said that no yeah. no even even like pro players like there were there were pro teams where their buck player like it wasn't that scary like it was it like it felt like a typical like sledge is now and sledge doesn't yeah. have that same effect where like you feel the skill gap like nades as well like only certain people use nades really well like BC was one of them. Rampy's one of them. Achieved is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's only certain people that like use them really well, and I think there's people from other regions as well. I don't know them as well because I've played against them as often, but uh, I think that's an example, and it, the same goes for like how Buck was used. Um, so I, I think I wasn't a huge fan of the nerf because of that. I feel like it's just more awkward to fit him in now. Like, there's teams that still try to fit him in. Um, NA teams are. Yeah, we saw them at the NA major ones. a couple times. Yeah, yeah, but it's just it's harder and more awkward to fit him in sometimes. Is all. I think the the most common one you'll see is when when a team brings Mav, they'll bring Buck with it because Mav has the nades. Yeah. Buck has the flashes now, and it works out. And it also is convenient because if you Mav a wall soft, Buck bucks it over. Yeah, uh, and my yeah. like I said, going way way back this conversation we had with pooled secondary gadgets is that secondary gadgets shouldn't determine if an operator is overpowered or not their main gadget and their gun should. And that's what I, that's what I'd like to see be the focus, but I mean, I'm not a dev. So, um, 
The topic that I wanted to get to and pivot to now that we've talked about the hard breach secondary gadget a little bit involves you, Mr. Get Flanked. And Ooh. you said that whenever you throw out uh, an idea on Twitter, you usually get the, you know, the, the slippery slope people who immediately go to the worst case scenario. And you in particular pump out a lot of ideas. Mm -hmm. And it earns you a lot of vitriol in response. Now, when you started throwing out ideas, whether it be on a whether it be on the podcasts, Hot Breach or Logic Bomb, or whether it be on, on Twitter or when you're streaming on your own, how do you you know how do you approach it in a way where you can base it in reality, but not get people to just like come at you for it. Because it seems like no matter what you suggest, there is a significant backlash every time without fail. Well, I think that, I think the first step is to realize exactly what you just said, that no matter how good the idea is or, or bad part of the nature of being um, somebody who has a presence on social media is that you're going to get people who, disagree and agree with you and it doesn't matter if the idea is good or bad like there's gonna be people who don't like you and are going to disagree with everything you say and there's gonna be people who are fans of you and you can say the most crazy insane idea and they will support you the whole way shout out to those people i love you by the way uh but but i think that's the first step is to, to get that perspective so then once you realize that like you do kind of uh you go into it with a different mentality and it doesn't really matter like whenever here's how I look at it. Okay. Like a lot of the times whenever I'm throwing out stuff, I'm throwing, I'm literally just spitballing ideas. And I think that some people think that because you are a person that has 40,000 followers and you're putting it on Twitter, that it's a serious idea. And that I'm thinking, I'm saying this should come to the game right now. And maybe I should do a better job of wording it like that. But I've always kind of taken pride in, being sharp. And I think that you get the most response when you're sharp. Okay. So if I come out and I say, you mean like, direct? well, you know, what's that? What's that? Or direct. Sharp, yeah. You mean like direct. Okay. Yeah. Sharp and direct and not. Okay. You can, you can say like one of, the, one of the things I threw out one time, and this was before uh, Mozzie lost his uh, super shorty was, you know, should, should we uh, look at the possibility of decay to Mozzie's pests? You know, he, he, where if he puts it out in the prep phase, then maybe with a minute left in the round, I tweeted would have about already, that, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I've tweeted about Mozzie changes. And stuff. I received no uh, hate I, for it for the record. Okay. All right. 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 So right, if you right. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've thrown out some other Mozzie ideas as well. So I mean, or probably more insane than that. But I think that like the the big thing that I'm saying is like I'm just think I'm I'm thinking of ideas and whatnot. But if I come at that and I say, well, you know, Mozzie's getting a little high on the wind delta, so maybe we can do something to nerf him. Um, I don't know. What would you guys think about this? But if you if you word it like that, or if you word it like, Mozzie should have decay on his gadget, and then just leave it right there. You will get probably five times the discussion as you would if you softly worded it so i guess for me like for me i've always taken pride in driving conversation with the community that's like that's one thing i enjoy doing the most and i realized that if i put something out on twitter or on youtube for that matter the people if you profile the person who comes back with hate like hate i'm not saying the person who comes back is like i don't know flank this is one of your crazier ideas I think I'm down with this. I'm talking about the person who's like, oh, here comes gold flanked with another bad, bad take. Like those people, 
they're not decent human beings. They're not the type of people that I want to be around. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't care what they have to say about me on the internet. So that's really what it comes down to. Does it ever get to you? <sighs> Did it ever get to you at one point? You know, I think there's days. Like, if I'm being honest, like the the, the answer I would like to throw at you is I'm an, I'm a I'm a grown man with you know, and I can handle this. Nobody's gonna hurt my feelings on the internet. But there, it, it, it's funny. Like sometimes you'll wake up. And you'll be having your coffee and you'll look at something and it'll just have an effect on you that day where any other day it wouldn't have. Yep. And it kind of sticks with you. And like for some reason that day, that like tweet or that whatever just kind of goes through your head and it absorbs more of your space than normally you would you would give it. So to say that it never gets to me, that's not true. But uh, I do think that I've never let it get to me to the point where I have responded in like in, in a way that I've like deeply regretted. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've never let it get to me to the point. Uh, and I shouldn't say never, but very rarely do I let it get to me to the point where like I respond in a tweet and then I put it out and then I really, really, really like, I'm not going to say that's never happened, but more often than not, I start to respond and then I delete it and I go on with the rest of my day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You don't, you don't put yourself in a, you don't like lash out or put yourself right. in a position where, it's obvious that it's gotten to you, right? Right. When it first started to happen, how did you deal with it? Because you said you're a grown man, as am I, by the way. You're a little bit yeah. older than me. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of struggled with it at the start when you would have like a bad day or you'd put out a take or something like that. And, you know, the, you know, Twitter comes at you with a vengeance and it's very quick. Yeah. And it's very immediate and you see it. How did you deal with it at the start? Was it was it a challenge then? Yeah, I guess you kind of get used to it more over time and you deal with it a little bit better, I think. I think the big thing for me is like nobody gets when it comes to balancing stuff, which is most of the stuff that I'm putting out there. Like most of the stuff we're talking about here that I get the the negative responses to has to do with balance in the game. Anybody who's going to sit there and tell you like every idea I've ever had for balance has been a good idea and I've been right 100% of the time is kidding themselves. Like nobody gets oh, it right 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah. And and we all like we all get things wrong from time to time. Uh so I've realized that over time. The other thing that I've realized is like there's a huge portion of the player base that thinks that because I've never hit diamond that I'm unqualified to talk about the game, period. Or because I'm not a pro player, I'm unqualified to talk about the game, period. And the way that I look at it is that does make, like, it It makes me less qualified to talk about certain things than other people would be. Like, who's more qualified to talk about the pro league meta, me or Troy? Clearly Troy is. You know, that's obvious. Okay, but that doesn't mean I can't talk about it at all. No. You know what I mean? But you've got to be smart and you've got to yield to Troy. If, if I say something about the Pro League meta and Troy comes back and is like, no, you're wrong. If you double down on that and don't acknowledge this man knows more than I do, I need to take that, then then you're you're making a mistake. So I, I, I think that, yeah. that that's where I've kind of learned over time. That, I think that has made it easier for me over time. I think that's a very good point because I think I've seen like a lot of comments out there about like and I think there are some pros that are like this, where like someone will say something and they'll be like, you don't know what you're talking about and just leave it at that. Usually like for me, if I disagree with someone, I always give my like my reasons why. 
Like I always try to explain it. It's never just you're wrong. That's it. I always try to explain it, make them see my side of it. And right. I think I agree with you there where like every, everyone can have their opinions on the game and say on the game. And honestly, like, yeah, there, there's probably, there's probably a silver out there that has a great idea. There is, but yeah, it's more likely that most of their ideas aren't going to be as good. That's just the likelihood of it. But like, yeah, you hear them out. If they have a bad idea, you just say, oh, I don't really agree with it for X and Y reasons. And then hopefully they see eye, eye, eye with you. But there's some that they throw that idea out there and you say, I don't agree with it for X and Y reasons. They're like, pros just think they know better than everyone else and they, they won't like listen to anyone else because they think they know the game and no one else does. I mean, I've heard some terrible ideas from pros. Yeah. You know, like... Oh, I have too. We've yeah. all had terrible ideas. I've, I've had, I've, like, I've had plenty. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't... And that's the beauty is that no one person with their experience or not gets to decide changes right you know i've there was you know way back in the day you know there have been suggestions to certain operators that i've heard that would have entirely killed the operator and i think there are certain players that probably want that maybe they don't like that operator maybe they don't like that play style maybe as we said you know like maybe they have a vested interest in that operator being dead because it'll make them better you know we i bias exists oh yeah there were some oh, really yeah. dreadful fucking maps that got removed from the map pool but guess which teams voted to keep them in the teams who were good on them right like way back there there at its peak there were teams that voted to keep skyscraper and the old cafe in the map pool despite the fact that they were dreadfully fucking bad maps but why did they keep them in there because while 85 percent of the teams didn't play them those 15% of the teams not only played them, but were good at them. So they wanted to keep what were shitty maps around because it benefited them, right? They were biased. And yep. the, the same thing happens with balancing. And for me, it's like, there are times where I believe some of the things I tweet and send them out. And then there are lots of times more so that I don't believe what I'll send out. And I'll still send out like, a, I think this should happen. And I never, I never give up you know, the secret of what, whether I actually believe it or not. And a lot of times I'll just argue it because I think it's funny. And sometimes I'll be like, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Like, we'll see what people have to say about this. Is this a stupid idea or not? Um, and I mean, I don't know about you flanked, but when I throw out something that I know is bait, people reacting with hostility makes it even funnier. It doesn't actually get to me <laughs> because I know that they're not, I know that they're not getting angry at an opinion I actually hold. There have been times where, yeah, I'll, I, there have been tweets where I've thought I've had a great balancing idea and I'll throw that idea out and immediately it will be swift. And even a couple of pros will be like, yo, that's dumb. <laughs> and that hurts because then you're like, oh, I actually like that one. But then yeah. you'll tweet something about, you know, like make Jaeger a one speed or something like that. And people get furious and it's just like, I don't care about this. One. I don't give a shit. Like be mean. Mm -hmm. It sustains me. Those are the, like the most fun. And honestly, like the, what, what I love the most is when you throw those out and you just watch the, you watch it all crumble. You watch the conversation start out like wholesome and then it just crumbles into chaos. And eventually, inevitably you find console players asking for each other's stats at the end of it that's where that's where those conversations go i don't to die. i don't think i've ever gotten to like that level of twitter i've, I don't I, think I've, I've gotten to that as well where it's like somebody will I've make a comment there. and be like what do you know and you're like oh that somebody will respond being like i've been diamond every season and it's like yeah what's your stats and it's like oh it's you're 
where you finished, where you finished and ranked is not a resume. Like it's not, it's not like you put it on your LinkedIn, you right. know, like, oh yeah, I believe this because you know, like here's my certificate. I've been diamond, you know, the season I won invitational, I might've ended the season unranked. Like it doesn't matter, man. Right. Yeah. I cling to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I unfortunately can't, but uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's, it's always important to remember, like, I, I've always felt like Siege as a community is much more active on Twitter and, well, Twitter than, than yeah. uh, a lot of other communities. And our we, Twitter's we as huge. A, yeah, we, 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 we as a community yeah. punch way above our weight on Twitter. Yeah, I agree. And so it's, it's, it's a curse and a blessing. But whenever you throw out, I mean, I had a very recent uh, example of what you were talking about. This is this is perfect. You know, I threw out the other day, Habana pellets should be able to destroy deployable shields like Ace's uh, gadget cam. Mm-hmm. Fair enough idea. Okay, you can see the logic behind that. Not saying that that should be implemented. You but can debate Super that. I think, right back I think and, there's very valid arguments on both sides of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Super came back and said, uh, "We don't need that. We just need them to interact with ADSs again." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that could work yeah. as well because that would be like indirectly those pellets taking care of that deployable shield if you clear yeah. ADS with it." Yeah. Um, no, that's that's the better solution for it for sure. Because actually, the part of the problem would be is that. ADSs wouldn't catch it. You just shoot them at the, exactly. the shield and it would get them right away, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. Which is funny because they, they would, they would have to change, change it to make Hibana. They would have to change it though to like where it doesn't take as many charges, right? Because one Habana set used to take all the ADS charges, which right. is too much. Like maybe one set just takes one charge. And yeah. then you can use three to clear four and a half ADS if you don't need the Habanas there. Or maybe one clears two charges that could be okay even but yeah but that's just an example of putting an idea out there and i'll be honest with you that idea was literally in my head and then on twitter within 30 seconds it wasn't it wasn't like i sat down and i weighed the pros and cons or anything and the beauty of that is within five minutes we've got a really good counter uh discussion going on and a lot of really good ideas thrown around and a lot of people are jumping in and that's 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 what I live for, man. That's like the best thing in the world right there. No, that's, I mean, that's great. That's like, it's something like you want to have on a team, right? As well. Like, that's always an aspect that I've brought to teams is like, I don't even necessarily have good ideas. And this is something I always gave uh, Jordan credit for actually when he was on uh, EG with us is like, there's, and there's like lots of players out there that are like this and people don't know it because it's, they're not necessarily the same on Twitter, but people that just toss ideas out there, they just start the conversation, right? Because, yeah, like, so, it's just so suck, valuable having might, those people, by the way. Yes, but they start the discussion and then you find a good idea off of it. Yep. And I, it's something that, like, a lot of players have been discouraged in the past on, like, teams with me as well, like, where they've, they've felt like, like we haven't gone with their initial idea as much. So they don't want to say their idea. But the thing is, like, that idea is just as valu- valuable because it starts the discussion to where we find a better idea, right? And it doesn't matter. Me and Lycan always say this. It doesn't matter whose idea it is as long as we're running the best idea. And you don't get to there unless you have the discussion. So, And starting the discussion is is such a big part of that. I I feel like the the issue that comes from it is just social media, especially Twitter is not a place for discussion. It's just not, (laughs) right? It It really is. It's better now that it's 280 characters, but back in the 140 character days, there's there's, absolutely foolish to try and have anything resembling a serious talk on it the problem is is that because twitter is free you get so many of those like 
first name or last name, tons of numbers or anime profile pics who just, they add nothing of value. You'll throw out an idea that is either intended as a hot take to stir up the, the masses or you'll throw out a genuine and sincere thought and then you'll literally get just somebody who'll call you a slur or their response will be like, you're an idiot or your response is like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever read. And it's like, I, I would, I would love to see the creature behind the account that drum that like, that like comes up with that kind of comment. Like, because for, for me, like I'm not, I don't think like I'm hardwired to give that short and useless feedback. There are, there are ideas sometimes where the only response is you're a fucking idiot. Like, and we know that, like we know that there, and we can all think of examples where there's somebody will say something or put forward an idea or will make a statement or something like that. And the only suitable response is like, shut the fuck up. You know, like that, that's the yeah. only thing that is deserving. Nothing else needs to be said. Yeah. Nothing else needs to be said. It doesn't warrant more of a, dis- more of a discussion, but I feel like, and I will say this about you flanked. There are a lot of things that you've said that I've watched on like logic bomb, et cetera, that I, that I disagree with. And I come from a different place when I disagree with it, but I value that discussion and yeah. I don't understand and the same thing with Troy. Troy and I have disagreed on, on balancing issues. I've disagreed with a number of pros before I've disagreed with Ubisoft. We all have different ideas on what is and isn't good and what would and wouldn't work. And the conversations that come from that are so valuable that I don't understand that when you say something that's not like it's not hostile. It's not an, yeah. it's not an incendiary comment. Like it's it's designed to create a discussion why people just unwillingly have a discussion. Like or they they're unwilling to have a discussion around it. I don't understand. And that's the thing that kind of it, it kind of frustrates me about social media. And it frustrates a lot of people. Is there there are plenty of times where I'll make a tweet wanting to get a conversation going. And just so many people either don't have like the brain power to do that or the, you know, the social skills to navigate that. And it's like, they literally just throw like cold diarrhea at you. And it's like, this is not what I want. This is literally nothing valuable. Your account is garbage. Your comments are garbage. You've provided nothing of value. Like, let's actually like talk about the merits of this idea because I am fully open most of the time to the fact that I know the idea is wrong, but I want to see what comes of it. And I just don't get why people don't feel the need to engage like normal humans and instead basically act like a bunch of goblins. I don't get it. Imagine having enough time. They're feeling like that's a valuable use of your time. That's my whole thing. Like not, I don't want to be a rude person, first of all, but also I can't, for me to respond, if somebody puts themselves out there with an idea for me to respond with, you're an idiot. It's just a waste of time. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, it's just a waste of time. I'm not adding anything to it. I'm not, progressing that conversation in any way so i'm just wasting time my time i will say i'd, I'd say it to parker but like, <laughs> that's different yeah. he pretty certain yeah. i could find logs of it from him yeah. <laughs> there there were times you know there there have been times in the past where i've i've literally responded to people on twitter just i've literally just said like shut the fuck up because it's yeah. like it doesn't warn anything else more than that but it's it's never being said to somebody who's actually putting forth anything constructive. Like if, if you take the time to say something that I think is is meaning and value behind it, and it, it might not be something I agree with, but at least there's merit to it, you're gonna get a proper response if I respond yeah. to it. But yeah. there are times where it's like you just say something stupid and inane, and I'm just gonna respond with like shut up, because that's it. And I've I've seen 
some people that respond to some of my tweets and I've, and it's not even me. Cause I don't, I don't try to like creep my followers when people respond to me. I usually just mute them if they're dumb and move on. But there have been times where it's like Troy will post something or kicks will post something or Fabian will post something and I'll see somebody respond to them and think like, what a dumb response. And I click on their profile and I'll go through like their tweets, just like 10 seconds of scrolling. And every tweet is just zero value. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, it's just harassment slurs. And it's just like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, what kind of sad animal <laughs> does this? Like, I mean, what do you not have hobbies? I don't, I don't get it. And it's, it, it, for you, I, I'm curious because you are, you are a genuinely nice guy. One of the, the, I've, I've hung out with you at a number of events. You've extended offers to be on podcasts, the content that you make, the videos that you make, every single interaction I've ever had with you vaults you up to the top 1% of best dudes in our community, hands down. And <laughs> I, and it, 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 it does hurt me that so many people say stupid things to you because it's like, there's a list of people in our community who, if that hate was directed at them, I would just be like, I don't care. <laughs> like probably well, deserved. But then I see it from just, the, on your end and I'm just like, stop saying mean things to this guy. It's just, you, you can't have a, you can't have a discussion like yeah. on Twitter. Like some people you can have a discussion with, but like yeah. the majority of people you're just, you can't have a discussion with them. And that's like I usually don't tweet out like stuff that's a discussion or if I do like if I have an idea I don't reply to anything other than like people I know just because I know it's usually not going to be a discussion and usually I don't even reply to them just because like you can't you can't have the good back and forth like you said Parker like it's it's too difficult on Twitter um I'd much rather just have the discussion on, on podcasts like this or discussions I have with my team yeah pardon me I said, or if yeah, you stream or, as yeah, well, like, yeah. if you stream, yeah. I find like it's, it's somebody can come in here and I don't know if you guys will relate. People will come in and say something remarkably inflammatory and dumb in chat and I'll respond maybe with a bit of an attitude, but mostly polite. And they'll be like, oh, bro, I was just kidding. Actually, like, and it's just like, well, <laughs> nah. Yeah, what? I, I, I've, I've got a much shorter. I don't even respond. Usually I just ban right away on Twitch. I don't, I don't Streaming for yeah, me, I've got a snowflake I, I, SJW PC beta lord. I can't be around. I can't be in that environment. I can't be around constant negativity. I've got to just get rid of it. But you know, in, in all honesty, with what you're saying there, Parker, like I appreciate the kind words. But I, you know, I bring a lot of it on my pelt myself. I'm highly opinionated. I don't think anybody would argue that. You know, I'm. I would like to say that I am highly opinionated, but I'm. I'm always uh, interested in the other sides. Like it's not like my ideas or busts you know what i mean I, yeah. I don't think that i'm that way but anytime i'm highly opinionated I, i'm not afraid to put those ideas out i'm also very vocally attached to dark zero as an org so if you've got an ssg fan there's one strike against me already you know what i mean like like so so we start out there sometimes and then you know you add on to that that you know i'm a, a lot of players out there especially if they're if they're going through the 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 process of making a twitter account and stuff like that all these players are better players than me I, I i mean i've got to admit that so they feel like they they have the right to have more of a voice than me why don't they have 40,000 followers they're the ones who hit diamond every season not me you know, so, yeah, you know, I try to, I try to take all that into account and just, you know, just do my thing, man. 
Now, I want to talk about your involvement with Dark Zero as we now move into the story of you and your content creation because you are a content machine. Uh, somebody referred to you as one of the hardest working content creators in Rainbow Six. Um, I think that there's a lot of them. I would put you in that category. Uh, I, I mean, you did you started off the Hot Breach, which to me, the Hot Breach podcast was what was the first domino on what is now much larger set of dominoes continuously falling in regards to content involving this game because we didn't really have any big podcasts before that i know that they they existed uh but they didn't get anywhere near the viewership that yours got they didn't seem to have that same relevancy mm -hmm. and i think that's the big thing is it's that you know people were talking about people that were on the hot breach podcast they were talking about the topics that you were bringing up and you know, it was getting great viewership, and now Logic Bomb, I think, has has expanded on that and is better in every single way. Um, and you do your own series, you do the pro and the potato, you do your own videos, you know, and, and now you're doing work with Dark Zero, representing them too. So I guess the first question is, why Dark Zero? Out of all the orgs, did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? What what set this this union in motion? The my first interaction with Dark Zero was uh, right before they launched. Uh, Zach, the CEO, reached out to me about um, covering it, basically, and uh, you know, it gave me uh, access to it early. And in exchange, I did a pro and potato with, I believe, BC, explaining the launch of the org and you know why BC chose Dark Zero, and giving them a little bit of press there, but also giving me access to that story literally the hour that it launched. Um, and I was very impressed with Zach at that, just talking to him in, in that situation. Um, I was always, you know, I mean, I was a huge EG fan, uh, obviously, and I was always super impressed with uh, BC and, uh, and, and, and Bacon. I got the chance to hang out with Bacon. But not Troy? Bit. I would it, like that on the record. Uh, and Troy, yeah. Obviously, You're a obviously. fan of BC and Bacon, but not Troy. It's all right. Well, the, well, uh, the sludge herbs I have are impressive enough. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need any additional accolades from me. Uh, but yeah, I got a chance to hang out with Jordan at the Atlantic City Major. I'll never forget that. That major, or not that major, I'm sorry, but that uh, that event as a whole really sticks out to me. I just remember like we were all trapped inside of that casino for like four days, five what days What an straight. awful fucking... Nobody saw the daylight. We were all just there like... We're on a, board, <laughs> we're on a boardwalk in the pouring rain in the... In the in the the vegas of the east wondering if the sea was going to rise up and it, swallow us whole it was depressing it, like you didn't want to go outside bro like that yeah. was the that it, that to this day is the worst event outside of the event itself and the only saving you know, grace was that the matches are probably that's probably the second best event start to finish for matches that we've ever had oh yeah the matches were great the matches so, were amazing everything about it on in the server excellent everything out of the server so yeah sorry continue flanked i just want to yeah no i just i like it was awful in that regard but i just remember everybody being under one roof and everybody eating at the same place everybody drinking at the same place that everybody yeah every diner it, yeah everybody was together for that and that was that was cool i've never really had an event like that since then but because everybody gets kind of spread out now but anyway USN is um, like that what is it? Yeah. US, US, both US sends are like that, but it's yeah. still not the same though because it's not international. Right? Well, there was and yeah, there was a lot of team houses. Everybody was going to different team houses at the US National this year. The um, first, the first USN 
everybody was together okay. for like the whole. I wasn't thing. at that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, later at the Invitational, I actually got a chance to hang out with uh, Zach a little bit and was uh, again impressed. I think that um, you know I've always been impressed with Zach um, every time I've interacted with him. And then I was thinking, okay, uh, I want to uh, branch out. You know, YouTube is a really fickle business, okay, and it's something. So I was thinking, okay, what can I do if my YouTube channel dies? You know, in a year, two years. And I'm like, I love esports. I want to stay in this. So how can I get experience in a different aspect? So because I had a relationship with Zach and because the org was in its infancy, I saw an opportunity to help them with their social media. And uh, they didn't really, you know, an established org like EG, like they would laugh at me if I, you know, okay, well, send me your resume. With Zach, it was a conversation. Hey, what? I want to help you with your social media. And we were able to have a conversation and sit down and talk about how I could help. And so that's really what started it. I have an immense amount of respect for Zach. Um, you know, obviously I knew about him at the start because of his conversations with Kix way, way back. Um, naturally, Kix was, I'm assuming, under NDA, so he didn't share many vital details with me. But I remember I ran into Zach. I saw him at DreamHack Montreal. I don't remember if, I, if we talked at that event or if we spoke. But every interaction I've had with him has been nothing but positive. Um, you know, he's built an org and, and the one, and he's built it around people with maybe not proven results, but potential. And I really, I really do admire that. I think there's something to be said for how nepotism tends to work and people who have experience, whether it's good or bad, keep falling into the same jobs despite not earning it and showing next to no recent results. Uh, there's a couple players all across professional, you know, professional Rainbow Six who keep getting picked back up for reasons I don't fucking understand, you know, and it, it was really bad in NA where there was a period of time where, I mean, NA has been kind of starred for talent at, at an amateur level, sure, but they keep picking up players that just, they can't even sniff a top four roster to save their lives and they're getting picked back up because of who they're friends with or because of what they achieved three years ago, you know, and it's just like, you have, they have no place here. Zach bucked that trend. He picked up a lot of people who had proven themselves, maybe not to the tier one level because they hadn't had that opportunity yet. You know, and I think you are, I think you are the biggest fish that they picked up, you know, because you would, you had a proven track record as a huge YouTuber, one of the most watched in all of rainbow six, but most importantly, you do that by producing serious content not the funny meme videos like we see so many of, you know, the Anthony Pitt cloth that that dominated for a while. And he picks up a team that had never won a big event, but had always shown potential. He picks up a bunch of content creators that show tons of potential. Moderna side makes good videos. Lonnie Lightning was an up and coming streamer. You know, now he's got R6 Dick that he's also got involved. Uh, Owen, I think, is affiliated as well. Mm -hmm. And there's been this huge push to find hidden gems and shine them and show them off for the world. And I, yeah. I just got to say, you are taking on tons of risk in an already extremely risky business. Like esports is not the business you go into if you want stability. He's taking a massive risk by investing in this to begin with. And now he's picking people that have been largely unproven, but he thinks they can work out. Not everybody's going to work out. The team has shown that they are more than willing to make roster moves. 
but I have tons of respect for Zach and you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that he's involved in our scene and chose our scene in fact to, to invest in. So I was just curious that's, how you approached it. That's uh, touching on that point. That's one of the reasons that I did get a little bit vocal about the whole spending millions in the desert with nothing to show for it. I, again, I want to be clear. I don't blame anytime casters or analysts make sharp points like that. Who said that? I don't blame them. Uh, Jesse said something along those lines. I'm pretty sure it was, you know, one, when he was introducing the SSG versus DZ match, it was one team is world champs and the other team is spending millions in the desert without anything to show with it. It was something along those lines. Um, and I don't blame him for saying that because, again, banter is good. I love creating storylines. I don't have a problem with him saying that, but I did go to defense there a little bit. And here's here's why, because I, I, I think some people... I, I was just saying some people compare DZ to like the having deep pockets and trying to buy success. And if DZ had gone out and bought the G2 roster, brought him mm -hmm. to America and tried to compete with that roster, then that's one thing to criticize them for spending money in, in the scene or whatever. But DZ is investing in a facility that's yeah. going to hopefully raise the level for everybody involved in Siege. You know what I mean? It's not just one team and it's in and and in my opinion he's investing in the culture of the org so it's two different things in my opinion and i just took a little bit of issue with that because he's he's really going out of his way to provide the best situation for his players that he possibly can and you got to respect him for that i don't see how that's that that, that can be turned into a negative personally i don't think it's a negative but i think yeah. it is interesting i mean do you for me as a caster, the fact that DZ has invested this much money, made these many roster moves and had up until this major had literally nothing to show for it was an excellent talking point. It's an sure. easy, and it's, yeah. it's an easy club for me to hit you with. And it's, it's not just an easy club for me to hit you with, but because I'm not going to hit you for no reason, I'm going to hit you for it to sell a storyline, right? That storyline exactly. can either be done in a positive way, like, Hey, look at how long it's taken them to finally reach the top. And they reached it. And it underscores and puts greater significance and importance on your victory and how meaningful it is. Or it's a storyline that cuts the other way about how this is heartbreak. This is misfortune. This is a long history of inadequacy. Not like, not like somebody would call EG inadequate or whatever, but like actual inadequacy where it's like, look at how much money has been invested in this team and they have nothing to show for it. This is almost embarrassing, you know? Which is not what I would say about DZ. I don't think it's embarrassing, but it's a storyline that you can craft. And I mean, there are there are plenty of esports where a you know a, somebody with lots of money to throw around will come in and, and pick up a good roster or pick up a flashy roster and spend tons of money, and then fall flat on their face. Yeah, and that's something we have to talk about. Like we can't just ignore that because I, I, I think that's important for the scene, and I think it's important in the game as well because. All of these things come together. Drama between players, drama between casters, you know, former teammates, map pools, previous results, org ownership, Twitter banter, etc. All of those things play into building a storyline. So. so I want to say, because I'm, I think people are calling me out for it as well, that I was saying that Jesse was quoting me. And I want to say, like, I wasn't necessarily, like, attacking the investment or anything like that. Like, I've never, I think, I, I've, I've messaged Jordan on the side about it, like, I think what DZ is doing for the scene is great. Like, I'm happy they're involved. I, I like shit talking them. I have fun with it. It's as simple as that. Um, Who don't you like shit talking? True, but like, I, I, I think I have more fun shit talking. I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> I, 
But um, I think that like the trophy comment, like that's that was purely about the team. Like I I wasn't making like a a, a jab about the fact that they're investing that much and that. Like they haven't won a trophy. It was just the tri- the team hasn't won a trophy, and I just like right. I wanted to, I wanted to make that jab. That was it. It was a um, good tweet, by the way. It was. It, absolutely. it was. A, I I saw it, and it I was, was like, I shed a tear, point. and I was like, Troy, Troy's growing up so fast. <laughs> I, I looked. At, I was like, oh shit! He hit him with the trophy room. <laughs> yeah, I, it was good. It was. It was good. And I I mean I even said to. Jordan after like that's like that's ammo too like fire back at me with it right like prove me wrong shut me up it whatever. literally did yeah it literally the next did. week yeah so I mean I guess it worked out in their favor but I I, I don't think like the investment thing I, I don't know I just wouldn't bring up like the investment part of it because I don't think they've shown that they're like not on the right track at all it'd be it'd be different if they were like a complete flop of a team right to like call out that they're investing this much money and nothing's happening like you can invest money and like the team doesn't have to be the absolute best team in the world they're like but they're like competing for it like i'm not i'm not gonna say like dark zero wasn't like in the fight like they're they've been a threat the whole time i don't think they've ever been like a clear-cut best team in the world like I, you can't make that argument but no. like they're they're in the fight like they they can contend for it and i think as long as like as long as that's there you can't really say it's a poor investment it's when they're out of the fight, then you can say, okay, well, why are they investing money in them? Um, so I, I don't want like what I said to get kind of taken too far out of context um, as me like attacking the org as opposed to like the team. The way I see things a lot of the time, again, is like I just, it's the players against the players, like the team against the team. Obviously, like there's org stuff behind it. I'll let the orgs do that. I'm going to like, I'm purely like going at players in the team. And the same should be done for me, right? Like, attack what I say or what my team does in game, not something like if SSG tweets a goofy fucking video. I mean, that's just (laughs) SSG tweeting a goofy video. And then, Uh, I mean, like, I'll I'll fire back at DZ means whatever. But yeah, I don't take it as like, I think DZ is a bad org. I think DZ is a great org. I think they're supporting their, like, it can't be argued. I think that's their, yeah. I think what they're doing is great for the game, um, especially like Into the Dark. I like that's something I've thought the game has needed so badly. The I content that, that DZ stuff. puts out behind the scenes is is the best of any org in my opinion right now. It's uh, for, from somebody who has an inside look at that process. Um, it's it's a it's a team effort, and it's uh, something that is uh, a huge priority for Zach. I mean. Um, whenever, whenever I originally was brought on, it was me and Zach and Google Hangouts brainstorming. And then we would come up with some type of a concept and we would put it out and we hit some home runs and we had some strikeouts. I remember one video specifically, I did like a parody of like the matrix with BZ, BC missing a nade and like, it was stupid. It flopped, but that was the type of creativity that, that was allowed to flourish in that setting. Okay. And it's only continued and we brought on more people and there's a whole group of people now that are involved and people that are super creative and way, do a way better job of it than I ever did. Uh, and you got to give, you know, hats off from the top down for, for that mindset, I think. And, and um, yeah, I'm really proud of, of the content that's coming out as well.
it's the the behind the scenes stuff i think is what's really missing and it, it's uh i mean from our scene not from not from dz um sure. the the video that they put out uh with zach where jordan just kind of followed zach around and talked to him mm -hmm. i thought was super humanizing i mean i get to see that side of zach when i'm at events i've drank with zach at events you know i've hung out with him at the bar i've hung out with him at restaurants you know we've chatted but a lot of people don't get to see that side of him yeah you know they see a pretty he's a pretty imposing dude he's a big dude he's got a big white beard you know he he cuts an intimidating profile but then you see him interacting you know with his kids and you see him interacting you know at home and it's just it, it puts a different side on it and then you see the comms videos that you put out as well where you go through and you show the calm side of things and and how the game plays out and i know that there's there's people that are going to watch that and say damn we should we should sound like that like we should take sure. that and, and export that and you know there's there are people who watch professional play and they take notes of the way that pros do things and say oh i never really thought about droning like that or oh i never thought about you know opening up this sight line like that and the same thing is going to transcend you know communication from the casual to the to the professional play because a lot of people that play this game casually have no fucking idea how to communicate in this game i mean we all hear it in our games daily and and i think that the work that dz's doing is is excellent and i think there's a line involving banter where making fun of like the amount of money and stuff like that i think is an iffy one i think you can yeah. kind of say like look at how much they've invested and they don't have anything to show for it that's fair but I think coming at like the ownership or anything along those lines, I think is, is definitely off, you know, that's out of bounds. And I don't think anybody's gone off that way. Um, I, I will say that the problem with banter is that sometimes things as we, as we can actually refer back to, like a lot of times we throw out stupid things on Twitter and we expect people to say shitty things to us and we're ready for it because we don't care. Mm -hmm. But when people are proud of things and they share it on Twitter, it's hard to tell if that's a sensitive subject for them. And it was clear that what you said, Troy, obviously it, it it hit a sensitive area with DZ because you saw the reaction from some of the people within Dark Zero that I thought were a little bit unfair about your banter. I thought you were, I thought yours was a friendly jab. It, that that was the intention. And, and and that's how I read it. And I mean, and, and then there were, you know, Jordan in particular was very sore about it. And you could tell yeah. with the way that we he talked said about it. it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, I'm good we, that you cleared the air. But at the yeah. same time, like that kind of banter generates impressions. It generates interest and activity. And like your tweet, your your shitty comment got like 600, 700 likes. That's 600 to 700 eyeballs that might not have been on DZ's initial announcement. Yeah. Content yeah. is content, right? So it's, it's tough to determine what is and isn't appropriate. But I will say that DZ has really stepped up their Twitter game. I don't know who's running it. I don't know if you have any part in it. Um flanked but i i gotta say i it's been it's been really great to watch the growth and development of dz and when the world reopens i'm excited to see their compound in in vegas yeah well i have a very small part to do with it so i don't i want to make sure that that's not uh that i don't take any credit for for the dz twitter and stuff the way that it's been taking off recently and not only that but tiktok all the social media platforms were really starting to ramp up and it's been great and i think you know the big thing for me like like, I love all the banter, like the comment about the trophy room and stuff like that. The comment about the millions of in the desert. I love I, I love all that. I'm just glad that. I have a team that can shut people up, 
You know what I mean? Like that's what it's all about. Like I, I welcome all of that and it, you're not going to shut them up every time. You know what I mean? But I'm glad that the team did shut them up this time. Yeah. And next time that you want to put dark zero in your mouth, you know, you might think, well, they might make me look kind of silly. And that's what, that's what I love about the banter. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's easy to be on the, the winning side of it. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I guess a question that I want to throw back. Do you think it's appropriate for me to inject myself in that as a non-player? Um, I mean, it, it depends. Can the players fight their own battle or is it going to look like, you know, daddy flying has to come in to kind of clean yeah. up the mess, right? It's like, sure. A lot of people, a lot of people have said that about like significant others, like when two wives are fighting and like the husband comes in to stick up for his wife or, you know, the roles are reversed and it's two, it's two guys fighting and the wife comes in to stick up for him. That's another angle where it's like, you can kind of hit at him and be like, you needed to get your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance to come in to like stick up. Like you had to call mommy for help. Like, I think it really depends if it's very clear that it's. It's two people going at it. Interjecting can look like you think they're weak, so you need to get your word in. Like if I'm if I'm watching Kicks shit talk somebody, or if I'm watching Veli shit talk somebody on Twitter, I'm not gonna jump in because it's gonna make it maybe look like he's losing. If I'm com- if I'm confident, I'm just like, yeah, he can do it. You know? Um, I don't think there is a, a one size fits all answer to this question. Uh, I think it really depends on what it is. You know, if if it's if Troy makes a stupid comment about DZ and then like thinking Nate gets in on it and then like Bosco piles on or something like that, then it's totally fair game. Get in. But I think when Troy makes a stupid comment like he did and then like everybody from DZ like rushes to the stockades, <laughs> I think that looks almost insecure. Like I get it. You're yeah. proud of your org. You're proud of your org. You want to defend it. Totally cool. You're invested. I think that's admirable. But it's almost like they sounded the alarm bells and called for backup. And that makes that projects weakness to me. Sure. Where it's like, okay, well, you know, now you've got Moderna side bacon, you know, you've got skies, you've got get flanked, you've got Zach. Everybody from DZ is like showing that they're upset by this comment. Troy won. Troy yeah. won because he made all of you have to come out of your shells and, and defend this. You need, you need that- eight people to defend against one tweet. I think that projects <laughs> that. I think that projects that Troy has we'll won. say it. all in all, they won the match and the, and the tournament. Yeah. They, won, they won. They they won the battle for now, dude. Honestly, Troy. I mean, I I hate to do this on your own podcast. But Bio kind of hit you. He clapped back as oh, well. Oh yeah. No, dude, do yeah. This. Oh yeah. Do this. Oh, he, most cer- dirt. he most certainly did. I don't know, man. But hey, uh, hey, he won the battle, not the war. I won uh, the next two true. battles. That's true. That's true. Um, the battle, it's not over with me. The I'm way still that I kind of. The way that I kind of look at my role, Parker, I don't know if you'll get this analogy or not, is uh, Spike Lee at New York Knicks games. That's how I kind of view myself. Is like you're, you're I'm a, clearly paying a lot not of a, money I'm, to be a cheerleader. Exactly. I'm. I'm like. I'm not. Or Jack, a player. Or Jack Nicholson at Lakers games as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I. I'm. I'm not a player. There's no way I'm going to be able to obviously uh, be involved or relate or be uh, important in all the conversation, but. If I can add to it anyway, and uh, then I, I try to find those opportunities without crossing a line. Yeah. And I hope, you know, hopefully I've found that middle ground. I think, yeah. I think the big thing that I would always caution people is tying your identity too much to an org. 
like it, it's one thing if you're employed there but i mean you are you are not a dark zero content creator you are a content creator who is affiliated with dark zero right yeah. um and the thing for me and it's the same thing with esl and it's the same thing with face it and it's the same thing with ubisoft i am an esports commentator i am not a face it commentator i am not an esl commentator or what wasn't i am not a ubisoft commentator you know and my personal integrity and my personal brand supersedes the brand of my employer and the one and it, this isn't even about you this is about everybody use i see people get signed to esports orgs or they get affiliated with an esport org and it's just they become like phase clan the streamer you know like and it's it's cool like i get it you're excited but at the same time don't lose sight of what got you to that point your brand for the most part to your audience is significantly more important than your esports org and that org frankly i mean dz obviously is different but those orgs have no loyalty to you you are useful until you're not and the moment you're not useful you're not with them anymore so just mean, and this is not advice for you. This is advice for everybody in general. It's that your own brand, your own integrity is your own identity. Those things are what matter, not the color Jersey you wear, not the, not the team house that you go visit. And I'm not saying that to dissuade you from DZ, because I think that you have to support the org. That's why you're there. Like go full throated in your defense. And I think you do, but at the same time, realize that your own identity also matters. So don't like, don't tie them too too much where if there's a divorce, it's impossible to separate the two, you know? Sure. I think that's good advice. That's what I would say. But I mean, I'm not with an org. I haven't been approached by any orgs. I I don't think I would at this current point in time go with an org. So I mean, maybe I'm not the right person to give advice. Maybe Troy is the better one to give advice to because he goes full-throated no matter <laughs> who he's with. We saw how, how big of a figurehead he was for EG and now for SSG as well. So maybe he's the one to be giving better advice than me. I, mean, I, ju I just be me. I mean, I just be me and like how I am with my team. I don't know. I just, I just do that. I mean, I like, obviously when I'm on a team, like that's, that's my team. That's my number one priority. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't been on a lot of different teams. I think that, I think it changes a bit. Like if you're just being yourself and like jumping around teams as much, it kind of says something, but um, I mean, I think you just kind of be yourself and you'll, I, I think it's hard to like tie your identity too much with an org, you know? I don't think yeah. it's that hard. Yeah. I think it's very easy for people to just completely become whatever org they're with. It just depends on whether they want to or not. And I think a lot of content creators, and I hate to say this, a lot of content creators are selfish and they're looking out for themselves and they don't mm. want to promote a brand that's not their own because I mean, they're all looking to sell themselves, which by yeah, the way, that's true. not a knock against them. You have to be selfish to make it for the most part in this industry. It's very vain, you know? Yeah. So, but would I, would I say, if you wanted me to ask, would I say that you're too dark zero outside of Twitch chat when dark zero plays? No, <laughs> no, no, I, I don't, I don't, well, think you I, I don't see you as like a dark zero. Yeah. I mean, in Twitch chat, dark zero breathes, you're posting the DZ logo in Twitch chat. <laughs> I get that. And I think that's totally fine outside yeah. of that. No, I don't. It, there are times where I actually genuinely don't make that connection in my head. Like, oh yeah, he's with DZ. Yeah. Similar yeah. to Macy and TSM, for example. Agreed. Sure. So, sure. I yeah. think, uh, you know, a, a huge shout out to the, like one of the uh, staples of my channel has been the pro and potato. And one of the things I worried about with joining DZ was would a pro be willing to come on and do the pro and potato if knowing that I'm, you know, associated with DZ. 
and all the pros have been no, nobody's had an issue at all, uh, including you know Troy's been on since then, and you know so huge shout out to them, and also huge shout out to Zach because I remember one of the earlier conversations was no, we want that to continue. There's nothing that we would want you to stop you know doing as far as that is concerned, and uh, that's always been really important to me is to remain uh, at least to be able to remain impartial to the point where I can have a somebody from that's not from DZ on the pro and potato and have a good conversation. I don't see it as, as you being influenced by that. I, I often forget that Zeronic is with Navi as well. Um, yeah. I, I think that there are ways for you to sacrifice your own integrity to, you know, be a, a fanboy slash cheerleader of an esport org. I don't think you fall into that category. I don't think you need to worry about it. Like I said, Twitch chat's the only time where I am consciously, other than the fact that you're wearing a Dark Zero shirt right now, where I am like <laughs> consciously reminded of you being with DZ. And it's kind of funny because I've I've watched... I've watched a lot of logic bombs, not so much recently, the last couple logic bombs I haven't watched, but up until when you were having the UB employees on, it never came across that you had any stake in DZ, any affiliation whatsoever, seemed as unbiased as usual. So if people are trying to accuse you of bias, then it's their own projections and just tell them to go fuck themselves. But, but you don't swear, so I mean, you wouldn't say that specifically. But <laughs> I do swear, I just don't swear on my YouTube. Yeah, I don't. I don't swear a lot. I think I I've. Heard, I think I've heard you say the f word like twice, ever. Yeah, which is fine. Well. Be brand safe. Be brand safe. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, I guess last topic. Um, I guess just the the last topic before we get into questions because I'm now just actually looking at the time. This has been very very quick. Just as when Troy and I were on Logic Bomb, it flew by. By yeah. the way, this has this has flown by. Um, where do you see your content creation output going? How is it tied into Dark Zero? Speaking of that topic, how is it going to continue? Uh, and if Rainbow Six went away, what's your next step in esports slash content creation? Great question. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, uh, it's something that I think about a lot um, because of my age. You know, I've got real bills I, you know i'm not somebody who like just graduated college and i'm trying out youtube for a couple years and if it fails then i'll just go and get a real job you know what i mean like i left a, a really stable um federal you know aircraft mechanic job in order to do this full time and um you know that's that's something that's always weighing on my mind um i guess you know <sighs> One thing I'm trying to avoid is getting into uh, a lull, and I can kind of I can kind of feel it. March will be three years that I've been doing this full time, and I you know I, I try to do three videos per week, you know, but I I really make a conscious effort to not force out content, and that's really important to me because most of my videos are topical where I'm talking about a subject, okay, and. It's it's if if like sometimes I'll like well I want to do a video today but I don't have anything to talk about if I put out a video right there I can always tell that it was forced it is just not good so that's one of the things that I've been really focusing on is not forcing out content if I have to skip a day I have to skip a day it's no big deal but I guess looking into the future I've got a I've got a side project going right now I don't really want to get into it a lot but it doesn't have to do with siege it's a different YouTube channel that I'm like in the very early stages of. Um, it's more musically oriented. We'll say that. And, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that off the ground. Uh, I saw your, I saw your picture of the, yeah. of the SG and the Stratocaster and the, the Fender. What was that? A 
Fender Blues Junior. Uh, precision bass. A precision yeah, bass, yeah, yeah. and then you had a Vox in the corner. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of I'm building up the equipment and stuff. So I've got a side side project going with that. Um I think, you know, DZ is a huge opportunity for me to um in the event that my you know YouTube channel dies, like I'm sure that that's something that if I play my cards right, like it could be something where I could, you know, keep it a career in esports through DZ. And if you know, remember that's that's kind of the re- reason I really originally reached out to them. So I do think there is some attachment there, um, but you know I, I think that I think that Siege is in a pretty pretty good place. I firmly believe that Siege is going to get to a hundred operators. So as long as long as I how many are we at now? Keep, we're in the sixties. I think aren't we're we? no. I think we're I think we're I want to say like fifty two or forty two. Well, if there's Why only four a year, we got a long way to go. I know, I know, I know. I, I just I want to. As long as, I keep, as, I, as long as I keep... 57. We got 43 operators. It's over 10 years okay. of content. Is it 57? Okay. As long as I keep Jeez. myself from getting into a rut, like I think that I can... I think that Siege is going to provide for a very long time. I can keep on the trajectory that I am. Yeah. And I don't know the next step, man. I don't know. I don't think anybody in this industry has a next step. I think the goal for most people is to try and transition into like a real job. And I say real job because... Working for an org is far more stable than working for a TO yeah. or working for or working like as a player or as a caster or a content creator. You know, for me, my focus is if Rainbow Six died, what would I do next? Well, the my first inkling would be to go cast another game, but I would have to have genuine enjoyment of that game. Yeah. I'm not going to cast a game I don't like and don't want to play. Because it's like, I like Rainbow Six. I like streaming Rainbow Six. I like talking about Rainbow Six. I like watching Rainbow Six content, blah, blah, blah. Like if I went over to Rocket League, for example, I like Rocket League enough. Would I stream it and play it? Probably not. Would I go out of my way to dive into it? Probably not. I would like it, but it would be more of a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you wouldn't be as good of a caster because of it. Like you just naturally wouldn't be as good because of it. I don't know about that. I think you can. I feel like. I feel like you have to be invested, like the, you have to have the same kind of passion there in that sense, you know? I feel like, I feel like you can fake that enthusiasm to an extent. Yeah, to an Would extent, it make I me just... probably less of a caster? Sure, but would it be noticeable is the question. No, I, yeah, yeah, I don't think it necessarily would be noticeable, but I think it would be noticeable to yourself. Yeah, I guess. That's true. Like for me, I, and I couldn't, for me, I couldn't fake it. I couldn't fake being excited about something that's not exciting. Yeah, like that would be the problem for me is like, like if I tried to, it's like if I tried to stream, like if I'm not enjoying it, I can't like, I can't pretend I'm enjoying it. And it's the same thing for competitive. Like I couldn't play a game if I didn't enjoy the game. I mean, I've watched you play ranked. I can tell. (laughs) That's actually something I think about a lot though. Like my, one of the concern, one of the fears that I have is like, I don't fear that if, 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 you know, if YouTube dies or whatever, I'll go get another job, pay the bills. But honestly, like, is this the most fulfillment that I'm ever going to experience in my life? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'll pay the bills. Like, but like, I don't want to like, if, I if I may interject, is this more fulfilling than the previous job you had? Oh, absolutely. Like this isn't work. I don't work yeah. right now. I do not work. I do what I love every single day. Like I would do it for free. I did it for free for like two yeah. years. Um, right. you know, and, and, and so like, I worry that like, after this is over that I'm going to go through the rest of my life and 
back at this is like the best time. You know what I mean? That's my big yeah. worry. You think that this you you worry that that you'll look back and nothing will ever beat it, and these are the glory days? Yeah, yeah. I had that when I lived in Alberta. I still have that. I am literally traveling the world talking about video games. I'm making good money. I'm built a, a foundation and a platform, and I still think back to when I was working as a server at a hotel, living with a bunch of friends as the peak. And I I know it kind of sucks. Like I I get it. I do get it. But at the same time, like I don't think we can continue to look back. There's you if you keep looking back, you have no idea and you won't understand the things that you have to look forward to. Literally and figuratively. I don't know. I, I feel that. My worry is it's like my my big fear is getting settled in and then just because of things that are outside of my control never being able to stay in this industry like think about all the think about all the casters for games where it's literally just like like heroes of the storm for example like those hots casters were casters and then all of a sudden blizzard's just like yeah we're not doing it anymore and that's it they're done like they're fucked Mm -hmm. and where do they go most of them they didn't go anywhere they became like they tried streaming they tried doing other things your game goes tits up you're done yeah i mean my my brother was a pro in heroes of the storm yeah literally they just like ended it he he like just made pro league wow and they just ended it and yep. it's like well there there goes that yeah i that's my worry my worry is that like and i've seen this with like you know apex legends to a certain extent there were so many people who just like were geared up to be apex legends casters and then they just decided there's not really any like Apex Legends events anymore. And now all of a sudden all these dozens of people who are prepped and ready for it are just like gone or it's like a game dies and content dries up. Where do you go? I like to think that I'm a good enough caster or at least I am a good enough employee that I would be able to go to another game. The question would be, once again, do I enjoy that game? Would I want to? Yeah. Would I want to go to that game? I mean, I think that's the thing is like you need to, like I think I'd have a transferable skill set to like be able to bring something to an organization or a team in another competitive game just because I think I think I understand like the team aspect of it regardless yeah. of the game being played I understand how teams work I think and I could bring that to, to someone but um yeah I mean I, it is a scary thing um obviously I don't even know like that that's what I believe about myself who knows if other people believe that about but um when you get old and washed you can become a caster yeah, that as well. That, <laughs> that's, that's my other option. Yeah. Parker can drag me along. Yeah. I think like, on the other side, like if, if I look at it positively, no matter what happens, I got literally a three-year vacation in my mid-30s where I was able to very good age where I got to spend a lot of time with them. Mm. And no matter what happens in the future, I, I want to keep this going for as long as possible. But in the event that it doesn't, I still... I got to do something I love for uh, a, a, a while and a lot of people never get that opportunity. So I'm, I'm trying to keep that perspective, but also keep the hunger of I'm going to keep this going for as long as I can and keep trying to grow and expand and get better. Just keep, just keep milking it until the, <laughs> yeah. until the udder runs dry. I mean, it, it's true, you know, like that's the thing that I see about it. And there, there are days where I don't want to stream and it, it becomes like a, almost like a financial decision. You know, like if I buy a house, it will be the house that Rainbow bought, like, and it will be right. And so many people can say the same thing. And I, I'm thinking there are days, like there were days, especially like now I have, I think I've streamed on my own outside of this podcast like five times in like two months. Yeah. 
And mm -hmm. every day I have this battle where it's, you could only have 400 days left with rainbow six able to provide you an income and you're squandering it. Yeah. Don't squander it because in two years time, when you're like, oh fuck, I could have had a house now if I would just streamed X amount of days. If I'd just done extra content, if I'd put out another video, et cetera, like that's money you're leaving on the table. Right. And yeah. it's like the same thing, the same thing with you. Like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I never thought I would even get into this, but for you, there's less certainty because, or there's more uncertainty because as a caster, I at least have a stable job as a content creator. I value that your perspective because it's, it's one I don't have. So I have to wonder like what's next. And I know that a lot of us in this industry are, are, are asking ourselves that question, but you are infinitely more mature and in a very different place age wise, financially, et cetera, than most of the people in this industry. So I thought your perspective would be one that we hadn't really ever had before. Yeah, it's, it's something I think about a lot. It's probably the number one thing, like concern that I have. But um, again, you know, I think the big thing is like, I have, I have confidence in myself. Look, I, you know, I went through basic training in the army at 30. That gave me a lot of confidence that I can do anything. And I still firmly believe like I can do anything that I have to do. If, yeah. I, if I have to do it, yeah. I'll be able to do it. So if this falls through, I'll do the next thing, man. And yeah. maybe it won't be as fulfilling as this. Maybe I won't, it won't be a passion project, but I'm not going to go hungry. I'm not going to go homeless. I'm always going to provide for my family. And I will just try to, to do my best to make this last as long as I can. I think that's a good way of looking at it. And the, the big thing that I always try to impart to younger viewers that say like, oh, I want to go into esports. Don't quit, don't quit your day job at all. <laughs> yeah, I have something to fall back on. If, if esports runs out, I can always get back into politics or I can go back to school and finish up the, the one program that I was trying to finish when I got this job in the first place. And it's something that I'm passionate about and I'm, I'm interested in. You know, you have something to fall back on. There's so many people in our community that are players or content creators that have very few transferable skills and even less work experience. If this runs out, their real only option is to go to school because if not, they're going to be working some menial job or that they're going to hate in comparison to working in esports, And it's going to be a pretty miserable transition. And so yeah. many people put all their eggs in one basket and that's fine. You got to take gambles. You got to take risks. You can't live your life wondering what if every single time, but don't short change your future for a year or two of vacation, so to speak, you know? So that's how I see it. That's good advice. At the same time, I also feel badly because people don't want to hear that. People want to, people want to hear like, fuck it, chase your dreams, go for it. Like, oh, there was a period of time and I'm sure you can, both of you can relate to this. I was burning the candle at both ends because I didn't go full time until I was like, it had been months and months. It had been a year of stable income from YouTube. Yeah. And it got to the point where it was actually like, it didn't make sense for me to go to work because I, it was a fraction of my income, you know? And like, but during that time period, there was a year, two year stretch there where I was burning the candle from both ends. And it was a struggle, but it's necessary in order to do it the right way. And if you truly enjoy it, then hopefully it's not a, a you know a burden that you can't bear. Yeah, I think thankfully for me, I had pretty good timing where it was like while I was in school, and I could I could quickly afford to be able to take the risk where like I was like, okay, I'll take some time off school. Doesn't work out. Back to school. I like I could afford to do that, or at least I felt I comfortably could. Um, 
and just kind of dove into it and invested into it. And I think it's it's worthwhile for me because I think I've made myself I, I, I think I've gotten an understanding for like the competition team building and stuff like that where I think I have transferable skills um because of that. And I think that's yeah, it, that that's valuable and it's definitely something like Parker said, like I don't think it, it it's not reliable to have that. Um you yeah, you can't put all your eggs in one basket because there, there's only so many people that can like transition like that, or you need to, yeah, you need to have a, a big brand so you can transition, whether that's from streaming a lot and being able to tra- transition to other games, variety stream or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I thankfully had good timing because I think if I was in your situation, like where like I'm older and I like I have a family, right? Like, or, or something like that, and then. Yeah, burning the candle at both ends. Like, I don't know how I would have handled. Um, yeah, it's tough. Like that. Yeah, that's an entirely different situation. I feel like the choice for me was a lot easier, um, just because of the time. It's funny how it happens. Same with me. I was, you know, I was working a, a job in the summer, waiting to go back to school. Everything worked out timing wise. They just moved home. I could move out, take this job. <laughs> I could afford to put my life on hold for a year or two and see where this goes. And while it's been a little bit longer than a year or two, and now here I am. So timing is a funny thing. The other thing too, that I want to say about the putting your eggs all in one basket, if it's a stable industry, there's nothing wrong with putting your eggs all in one basket. Like if you want to go into like, if you want to go into tech or business or an industry that's been around forever, yeah, that is probably not going to crumble. Go right ahead. The problem with something like esports is that we have no idea the last, the last five years of esports. Think about the growth that just, Rainbow Six has had over the last five years, right? We don't know what's next. We don't know. We don't know how this downturn is going to affect live events. We don't know how long it is until live events come back. We don't know if if there's no games that are fun and people don't want to watch it. Who knows what's going to happen? What's going to happen with the player base? Rainbow Six going to continue to grow? Is it going to atrophy? We don't know. So, if you want to put your if you want to put your investment in something that's stable, sure. But know that if you're putting in something that's risky, there's a good chance it could blow up in your face. So, yeah, with that said, it's question time. So in the discord, there is a, there is, as always, this one was very late because I kind of put this together hastily. I've totally forgot about the discord. It's like we didn't do a podcast for two weeks and I totally forgot how to do everything. (laughs) Um, Questions for get flanked. Um, I will spam the invite for people that want it in the uh, Twitch chat. So feel free to join the discord. There it is. There it is. It's spammed in the chat. There you go. Click it. Uh, there's been a bunch of questions that have been asked for you. Um, I will start, Troy, if you'd like to look through it. And I'll start with actually the very first question because I think it is a good question. What's your favorite part about being a part of Dark Zero? And that comes from Skirt to Sloth. Uh, my favorite part of being a part of Dark Zero is um, having the connection, uh, a real connection with a team that competes at the highest level. So uh, I grew up in West Virginia and we don't have pro teams in that state. Um, And everybody there is a huge West Virginia Mountaineer fan. That's a call. That's our, that's our college. That's the only thing we have. Uh, So everybody has that connection. And when West Virginia plays, everybody watches. And that's like, that's the, the state pretty much shuts down. And I, I'm glad that I feel that same connection with Dark Zero whenever I watch Pro League. Um, so being able to watch Pro League has always been exciting for me, but to watch a DZ match, like 
I I would I probably get more nervous than the players. Like I don't know. Like I I like I'm like legit like excited. That's what uh, every parent says about their kids, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that is that is true. Uh, <laughs> reason that I'm spamming the Dark Zero emote in the chat is because I'm so nervous I can't type effectively. That's You're like the DZ dad. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, that's probably it. I'd say just get like I don't obviously I don't get insight into like the team strategies or you know roster changes or anything like that. And I and frankly I would be worried if I did, but getting an inside look at you know being able to visit the house and seeing how the team operates and stuff like that is really cool as well. I'd say those two things right there are my favorite part. Okay. Um I don't really have much to say to that. Uh, my question is, what is, in your opinion, the best video you've made from your point of view? Oh, and that was also, what I was going to ask. View-wise, I think that's an interesting question. I was actually going to ask for that question. Mostly Damn for your, like, your favorite video. What was the second part of the question? It was, what's your best video view-wise, I guess? Okay. So most successful in terms of views, and then your favorite <sighs> one, I suppose. The best video I've ever made was in the first year that I started a YouTube channel. Uh, I was doing Call of Duty videos, and you guys remember Call of Duty Advanced Warfare? Yeah. Did either of you guys play that game? You remember how they had weapon variants? Yeah. Yeah, I played that. I game. That. The awful weapon game. variants, it was an awful game. The weapon <laughs> variants all had, like, if you thought about it in an interesting way, they were like really perverted names. Um, and I made a video <laughs> called goodbye advanced warfare. I think it has like 500 views, but, and it was like a parody the background track was that, um, was some like really like mopey song. And I was like, goodbye advanced warfare. And I just listed like the things that were like, not going to miss about this game. Mm-hmm. And one of them, like one of the jokes in it was like, uh, all these perverted weapon names. And it was like, uh, it, it, it was funny, you know, and I, I take more pride in that video than any video I've made since. But honestly, the videos that made my channel like over Christmas, Christmas Eve, I want to say it was Christmas Eve and Christmas. I did a two part series. The first video was the top five things that beginners do too much. And the second one was the top five things that beginners do too little. And both of those videos uh I, I think the one has over 2 million views. I think those are my top two like most viewed videos and probably the videos that really launched my channel as a siege channel. I remember your your Hereford Bass song. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Piece, that is my yeah. favorite piece of content you've ever done. Yeah, that was that's very similar to that Advanced Warfare video that I did. Imagine Absolutely. no Hereford Bass. <laughs> it's easy if you try. Uh, um, I'm so mad that you sniped that question, Troy. That was the one I want to. Um, <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, this one comes from uh, Keg, who's asked a couple questions in the past. He says, uh, and it's a good one. How do you juggle having a family and doing content creation? Damn, I wanted to ask that one too. <laughs> suck it, bitch. Uh, it's been very challenging, especially over the last seven months. Uh, I put out a tweet today. This was today was the first day that I actually got back to the normal schedule I had before this, uh, the whole epidemic. And um, it's been really tough to balance that. And I'm not going to lie. My content production has slowed down over the last seven months. It's had to out of necessity. My family's been home all the time. I don't get those eight hours per day where I'm home alone, you know, really focusing and working in my office and I have to spread it out throughout the day. So, you know, I, I try to juggle it 
um, by prioritizing, you know, that's, that's, that's the only way to do it. You have to prioritize your time and what's important at this moment. And, um, you know, there are certain things that are, um, happen when it comes to family time that are un, uh, unmovable. Like I'm going to be there and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch him play every basketball game. Like those are non-negotiable. But there's times where you get asked to go on trips and stuff like that where you have to be, be be flexible. And I mean, to be honest with you, my wife is an absolute saint throughout this whole process. She puts up with way more than I think most would. And if it wasn't for her, there's no way I'd be able to drill it. But um through her and me, we've 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 been able to manage it. I guess to answer the question, prioritizing. That's that's what it comes down to. You ever there's a follow up question. You ever you ever have any significant struggles? Have you had to turn down work because of it? And and because the other question is you say prioritize. When is there a circumstance where your work comes first versus your family? Yeah. Um so I to the second part of the question, there are lots of times where, you know, two kids uh, both of them are, you know, fairly young and there are times where I'll be streaming and I like to at least help put one of the kids to bed, but the wife has to do both because I'm in the middle of a stream and I can't, you know, just leave for half an hour to put one of the kids to bed and come back, you know? So that happens from time to time where, you know, uh, I miss out on that and it's unfortunate, but it is, it does happen from time to time. Uh, have I ever missed out on work? I don't, well, I mean, I don't know that I've missed out on work because of the family, but like if I was younger, there are definitely some opportunities that I've missed. Like if I was younger, I'd probably be moving to Vegas into the DC <laughs> house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but you know, I'm not going to move my family out to Vegas and I love the town that we're, we live in a great town to, to raise a family in. Uh, I'm not going to ask my wife to leave her job. She loves her job. Um, so I think that's an instance where I probably missed out on an opportunity. Okay. Those are fair. These are the yeah. kind of things that we can't really ask every young pup who comes on here and doesn't no. have kids. So this is these are these family related questions are are humbling no, to it's hear. Interesting. But yeah, this is just something that just doesn't get discussed. Yep. Could ask Lycan in the future. Yeah, that's happens. true actually. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Because yeah, um, nobody else has had kids that I think we've had on. That we've had on? I mean, well we even that we haven't even had Lycan on, but no, no, like another had on, no one. Yeah, yeah. Other people we've had on, no one. Yep. Um. Anyways, question I was going to ask. Uh, let me scroll back up to it. Uh, is there anything that you would have done differently, like earlier on in your career, like to grow your channel? Like, I guess mistakes you learned from, in a sense. Um. Yeah. Um. You know. I. Yeah, I think so. I think that if I'm looking back now, I wish I would from the get-go, focused on a little bit more variety. Not necessarily even like as far as games, but as far as just different content and really challenging myself to consistently create different content. The, the, the problem with the YouTube algorithm is that YouTube algorithm, it gets you into, it tries to predict who's going to watch your channel. And it does that by like kind of pigeonholing you, I guess. So... Uh, once you're established into the algorithm and the, and the YouTube has like figured you out and it's figured out who to suggest you to, 
That's the easiest way to grow if you stay in that little bubble because you'll continue getting suggested to these people and you'll have good results. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen it on my channel. Like the first time that you really branch out from that, it'll throw the whole algorithm off and you'll really suffer from it for a while. And you look at like, like for example, like um, Russian Badger, dude, like he can upload whatever game he wants. And it's because he's extremely talented. Like he is extremely entertaining and I'm not on that level. Like I'll straight up tell you, I'm not on that level. But I think I could have done more in the beginning to try to uh, have a little bit more of a variety. And it's not necessarily too late for me now. But I did have the realization right lately: if at my current rate, if I hit one million subs, my channel will be pretty much dead by then. And I know that sounds strange to say. But when, if I keep growing at this rate, when I hit 1 million subs, my channel will probably be de- uh, dead because that'll be about five years from now at my current rate. And by that time, the people who subscribed to me three years ago, what are the odds that they're still watching my videos? You know what I mean? Like it'll be a lot of dead subs at that point. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately and just trying to like think about what I could switch up. But um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that, the easiest way to grow on YouTube is to find a pocket of content that you're good at, that you enjoy making, and that uh, people are receptive to, and to stick in that pocket. However, if you can make yourself uh, available to a wider group of audience, then you're going to grow faster if you're able to support those types of numbers. You, um, you've talked about branching out. Have you ever thought about branching out within Rainbow Six? You put out a lot of... you know conversation heavy informational or informative videos you ever thought about branching out to maybe going for something like just videos of you dicking around just having fun with friends that kind of deal more of that like russian badger style of content where you're just kind of goofing off and that very different departure it'd be a very big departure from what you do now i have thought about it um and you know i don't think that i would ever necessarily I've done a couple videos here and there. Like one recently was uh, how to have fun in siege again. And it was talking about like, don't always, you know, it was showing a full, like a a clip from a stream or like a game from a stream where I just like picked fun operators. I was doing hot breaching and stuff like that. You don't always have to be so sweaty in order to play all the time. And it could be really fun to, to do that. And I think that I have the opportunity to do more stuff like that. Um, You know, what it comes down to at the end of the day is I make content that I'm interested in, you know what I mean? That I would be interested in watching. And to be honest with you, like while I respect the funny moment, uh, siege creators, uh, and I understand the, the insane amount of editing skill that they have and, uh, work that goes into their videos. It's not the content that I necessarily enjoy watching on a daily basis. So it's hard for me to really think about creating that type of content. Um, with that said, there is some stuff that I really enjoy that I'm not doing. And I think that like I could, I could do more of like, like for example, uh, like the ideas of like, you know, showing a full match from a stream and then like breaking down like the, the, the mistakes that I made and like, you know, what I did right, what I did wrong, stuff like that. I think I could do more for sure. That's fair. Um, my question is this one's come, this one comes from lat. And says, how do you balance content creation and playing the game for enjoyment? Because this is one that I don't really do the same level of content creation as you, but this is definitely one that I relate to. That's a tough one. Uh, And it's, 
it's one of those things where like I never would have believed it. You know, when you're when you're before you're a full time YouTuber just starting and like I never would have believed that there would get to a point where I'd be like, man, I just really don't feel like playing this game today. Like this feels like work to me. And I don't feel that way very often at all. I, I'll say that. Um, but I will say that streaming does feel like work to me uh, a lot. And so, but it, I think that the the attitude is that like, I feel like if I'm playing this game, I've got to monetize. Why not monetize my time when I'm game? I'm, if I'm just playing and not streaming, am I wasting my time? Why not stream it? And I had to learn to to not have that approach. And it's really because if I stream all the time when I'm playing, it really I get burnt out on the game. And it, I realized that it's not me being burnt out on the game as much as it's me being burnt out on streaming. So the because of my channel and my videos focus on topics within the game, I have the most idea. The more I play the game, the more ideas I have for videos. If I go like a week where I barely play, the next week, I'm like, what am I going to talk about in this video? Like I, I, I noticed. Because my ideas are usually sparked from something I encounter in game. Like, yeah. hey, you know, everybody's running out with Valkyrie and it's really annoying me. Let's make a video about how to nerf. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It so, usually comes full circle. You love Valkyrie. Right. See, I, um, I'm the same way because it's uh, playing this game on stream. There are a lot of days where it's like when you're on stream, as much as my stream is super low budget, there's always like a desire to perform and not look like shit and not look bad. I'm not a high level player. People don't watch me because they, they're going to see me hit diamond. People watch me because I dick around and I answer questions and that's about it. Right. But I don't want to be shit. And there are some days where it's like, I'm just, I'm not focused and I don't have energy and it's, it's so tough, but I, I have been playing rainbow six off stream more than I ever have. I've been playing it so much more off stream and I've been having a great time. It's nice to just like kind of kick back and relax with buddies and all that. And you know, somebody you quoted before, somebody you referenced before is the Russian badger. Like he's, he's really good at, he just goes live on stream. He dicks around with a bunch of buddies. He barely interacts with chat, barely talks to anybody. It's like, he's just doing his own thing. He's a great time. People love it. I don't think I could do that. You know, and I, I envy people who can, but for me, it's like, there are lots of times where it's like, I'm the same way. I'll look, I'll buy a video game and I'll be like, oh, I want to stream this. Like, what's the point of playing this and not streaming it? You know, that's monetization. Mm -hmm. And then most days I just can't will myself to playing it. So my Steam library continues to grow, as does my frustration with the fact that I'm not playing any of those games. Yeah. You All have right. a question, Troy? Um, hmm. Not particularly. I'm trying to find a, a one I want to settle on. I've got one. So this will be my last question. I'll give you a little okay. bit extra time. As your kids get older, are you concerned about people in their social life highlighting your content with ill intent towards them? And then there's another question also coming from Keg that ties into this saying that as a public figure, do you ever feel concerned or wary for your family being on social media? So once again, tying into the whole family component. Yeah. Um, it's a huge concern for me. Uh, so my attitude with my kids, like, and social media is like, I'm like, I'm a proud dad and I would love to show them off, but I don't know if that will help them. And I know that there's a chance that it could hurt them. So I've made the conscious decision to try to 
uh, eliminate that. Try to not 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 put them in the public eye in that sense. Like I very rarely ever post pictures, and the fear is like I don't want them to look back on my life's work <laughs> and be like, "Man, Dad never talked about us. He was so proud of his YouTube and stuff, and he never talked about us." But I just hope that they understand. Like I just didn't want to subject them to that. Uh, because I didn't know if it would help or hurt them. And I thought the safer play, I've always thought the safer play was just to not subject them to it. So that's been my attitude as far as presenting them on social media. I mean, there has been times where I've streamed and they've come in the room and I've had them said hi to the camera and stuff like that. I'm not like completely you know, pretending that they don't exist. And yeah, I mean, I think that's why the biggest reason that I run a clean channel as far as my YouTube isn't for monetization. It's because I don't want them to look back and you know and i don't want like their friend's parents like if they go over to their friend's house i want their friend's parents to pull up a clip of me and like show me like doing some obscene thing and embarrass them by it you know i've always had to keep that in mind uh i know as far as my twitch i'm trying to do better but there are moments on twitch that could probably be used against me but the worst it's gonna be is like me raging you know what i mean like me acting like a child because i'm raging in a game you know what i mean like king george yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I guess I can live with that. It's not something I'm proud of, but it is, it, that's me, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's a concern, but uh, it's something that I've tried to allow to guide me through the whole time I've been a content creator. And luckily it wasn't like, oh, I didn't have an attitude in the beginning of, oh, I'm never going to be big, so it doesn't matter what I do. Nobody's ever going to see this because those are the things that usually come back to haunt people. Uh, and um, yeah, I've been able to, I think, do a pretty good job of that so far. Like, I think my, like, my kids, obviously, like, they know what I do. Um, but, like, my oldest, he's eight, and he'll straight up tell you, like, I don't watch dad's videos. I like other YouTubers. He's more into, like, Fortnite YouTubers and stuff like that. Like, he doesn't care about me. So, and he tells me every day, if I would start streaming Fortnite, I would be, I would have a million subs. By Daddy, why don't you play Fortnite like Tifu? Yeah, exactly. Damn. Mm. That's that's really cute though. And it's I've read from a number of YouTubers actually when they've had kids that they've cleaned up their channel because the same thing. They want to make content that their kids can watch and that their kids friends can watch. And if you're like me and you're making jokes about like grotesque sexual acts for fun, and you've got commands for it in your chat and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, that stuff is like, I'm aware that, that stuff is out there and it's permanent and I, it's fine. I think it's funny. But like, if I were to have kids, I would probably do the same thing. I would definitely feel this pressure to clean up my channel and to clean up my language and my attitude and all that jazz. And literally, Chad is literally using those references right now. Great job, chat. We've trained you well. Um, but it, it's... And I think it's like, it's super cool because you want, like you, you pointed this out, like you want your kids to feel like you're proud of them, but how do you juggle that? You can't yeah. really show them off because they're not trophies. Like they're not, it's not like a show. They're not show dogs for you to like, you know, get points for and clout for like they're your family and you're, you want to protect them and it might be counterintuitive as proud as you may be of them to show them off in that way. There's weird people out there, man. Yeah. Like. And I think it's, I think it's totally, I think it's super honorable. And I mean, as if I need another reason to think that you're one of the nicest guys in our scene, but here it is. And 
it's just i i get it and it's a i will keep saying it is a perspective that i don't have and it's a perspective that we don't often have on here so yeah i think i think if i had kids i wouldn't be screaming at people at the top of my lungs online anymore like <laughs> I, I think i think that one would definitely change <laughs> last question troy all right um it was actually the last one that was asked so it was con- it was convenient it came up gave me a good one i liked mm-hmm. um Cole asks, is there something you've wanted to be added to Siege since year zero that has still yet to be added or even started development? This could be anything. New content, changes content, skill gap. Any any sort of change that you've always wanted that hasn't happened yet. Whew. Oh, man, that's a tough one. You know, for a long time, it was I wanted the bomb models changed, and that literally just happened. Uh, I've always felt like you shouldn't be able to get crazy pixel angles through the bomb. Uh, you've been talking and- about this for years. <laughs> Yes. Years. I oh, I actually always liked it. Yeah, it was, I I loved laying down and looking through the cage of the bomb. I don't know why, yeah. but I like I always thought it was cool. There's like that. I don't know. I've just always felt like it was it was not. It was kind of a cheesy thing. It. it um, is. I don't know why I liked it. Honestly, because you're a piece it's of shit for the best. Okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honestly, if there, I I would probably. I hate that this is so boring, but if I'm going to answer this question, it's probably going to be with a solo queue, a ranked solo queue. That's probably the thing that I would want to see. I've always wanted to see introduced that's never been there. Uh, it's got its pros and cons. We can go on about the debate, but at the end of the day, Siege is a completely different game for a solo queue player versus a five stack. And Having a five stack against potentially five random people playing together is night and day. There's no, there's no like world in which that should exist. And um, I really think that if they if it was executed properly, I would love to see a solo queue playlist. Solo queuing sucks so much. I know Park. I, park I love queuing. Did you say Troy? That I know you're a big advocate of that, the solo queue only or solo queue versus five stack queues. I, I think for a couple reasons. One, the biggest reason is it gives Ubisoft more covering fire to balance around actual like competitive team play. Right now, the problem is, is that if you only solo queue, your experience with this game is so different from somebody oh, yeah. who doesn't. It's almost like it's a completely different game. You watch the pros play the pro TMs and now with FPL and EU, which is absolutely huge. Now with FPL and EU, the streams are going to give a really, really specific look and really strong look actually at at how different this game is. It's like you're playing on a different level, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I wish people could experience that. I fear that they never will. But I think, you know, I think that's a I think that's a good one. I do worry if it would split the player base to a certain extent, especially yeah. at the higher ranks, but at the higher ranks, you're probably like if you're a diamond, you're probably not solo queuing. That's oh, what I would. That's what my assumption would be. Anybody most, who solo queues diamond consistently is is has a ton of my respect. And I know there are people who Macy yes. does it every season. I, just, I know. Just for like the sake of their mental fortitude, like, <laughs> it's 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 truly impressive. Like just that alone, I I don't know how you could do it. Macy, my favorite Macy story is that he solo queued on NA to diamond on stream and then did it off stream 
and off stream he did it in something like like 50 percent fewer games or not even it was, it was starker than that he did it in something like off stream he did it in like 25 or 30 games on stream he did it in like 80 to 85 games or some something dumb like that it's like mm-hmm. oh i firmly believe that macy is stream sniped in nearly every single game that he plays in. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I can tell you hundred percent on the test server. He's every game that you play with Macy on the uh, on the test server. It's it's blatantly clear that he's being stream sniped. There's only one server in all of NA, so it's super easy on a test server. Smaller player base. Yeah. And could you imagine the scum that's with- that stream snipe on a test server? I imagine <laughs> these imagine. people. I know these people. I know. I don't think people realize how prevalent stream sniping is too. I am not that big, but probably 80% of games I'm in, I get recognized in ranked. Yeah. Like my, it's not hard to find my Twitch channel. Like, yeah. Pengu speculates that two out of every three games, he's getting aggressively stream sniped. Oh, yep. I believe it. It's pathetic and it ruins, it, it, these people don't realize that by stream sniping, they're ruining content and they're ruining the impression that the game gives and they're, also pushing content creators to not stream. Yep. Macy is literally the nicest person that's existed. Mm. Like, I mean, holy cow. Can you, have you ever met a more like gentle and nice person than Macy? And to think like he loves this game probably more than anybody. And Mm. to think that he can't even, he can't even stream ranked. Like how sad is that? Macy also doesn't stream because his chat gets out of hand. And yeah, he, needs, he needs a mod to, and I hate to say it because Macy's too nice. He needs a mod that just bans all the fucking morons in his chat. Macy will like kill three people in one round and then die to the fourth. And his chat will be like, how did you lose that gunfight? Macy, you're so shit. And it's like, Macy just gets really upset. And it's like, no, you need to ban all those fucking idiots. All those inbred, that inbred garbage. Get rid of them. Just ban them all. Last has we were playing 10 mans mm-hmm. and he he quit playing with us and he quit streaming because not because his chat was I, I don't know this for sure but i'm pretty sure this is what happened his chat was talking shit about me or some of the other youtubers that were in there yeah and he quit streaming because of that he was yep. sensitive like, like that he didn't want his he felt responsible for his chat i told him like macy dude if people in your chat are talking shit on me that is no reflection of you but he still wouldn't have it you know what i mean like and again that's just how nice he is I like Macy. I don't have a single like bad us. thing to say. The only bad thing I have to say about Macy is Macy, be meaner. <laughs> be meaner, Macy. Embrace it. You're on TSM now. You gotta have an edge. <laughs> I, did, I did poke a little bit of fun out of him after we uh, after we beat the TSM. I mean, good. Oh, yeah. That we need that kind of banter. And yeah. and if if we're having people, I don't know why my dogs are barking. Um, if we have. If we have more banter from people like you don't strike me as a guy, by the way, flank that engages in banter. If you're engaging in banter, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Oh yeah. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. I, uh, yeah, it's fun. I love it. Give in. Love it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Embrace the dark side. With that said, yes. I think that's, I think that's a good point to end on. We can embrace the dark side and get flanked. Needs to get aggressive. Put the stream snipe. <laughs> I know, we know you love it, Troy. With that said, where can we find you? Plug your socials. You have a a fair number of them. They will be included in the description down below. If you are here on YouTube, if you are the audio crowd, please listen intently. 
Well, for I mean, if if you're if you enjoy this podcast, that I will refer you to the Logic Bomb podcast. I take and um and uh that's uh just search for on youtube logic bomb podcast we're also on soundcloud uh, as well as podcasting apps uh again just search for logic bomb podcast you'll see it uh me and uh and um zoronic take part in that pete has stepped away to do some side projects and stuff so it's just us now uh for the foreseeable future and then uh, also, uh, if you want to watch out uh, my YouTube channel, uh, it's get, uh, youtube.com forward slash Get Flanked Media. Uh, you can just search for Get Flanked. You'll find it there on Twitch. It's uh, Get Flanked, one word. Uh, and uh, then on Twitter, it's Get Underscore Flanked. So that's probably the big, the big ones there. I think those are good. And yeah, for the people that are watching on YouTube, they will be down below in the description audio. You're just going to have to... You're going to have to go back and replay it. That's it. There's no way. Because you can't click a link when you're listening with your ears. <laughs> no visual component. I do firmly believe that you are one of the nicest people, one of the most genuine people in our scene. Uh, you gave me a huge start when I had just wrapped up the Sao Paulo finals. Uh, you brought me on the pro and the potato. I'd been involved in the community for a couple months. Max, you saw some reason to bring me on. And then since have invited me on Hot Breach. You've invited me on Logic Bomb. I have gone on those multiple times each. You brought Troy and I on to promote us on this podcast after we got off the ground. And both you and Pete were invaluable when it came to setting everything up for this podcast to begin with. And I don't think things would be running as smoothly as they do now without your assistance and guidance when I came to you frantically with questions. So all of those things, plus just the content you put out, your commitment to your family, the commitment to the game, and just your general demeanor and attitude and how nice it is, by the way, to just share a beer with you at events. We are extremely lucky to have you. And it has been an honor to have you on here and to hopefully begin to repay the favors that you have extended. Uh, to it, and like, honestly, both of you guys are such huge parts of the community that have added so much to our scene. Uh, so I appreciate the kind words, but it's pales in comparison with all of the stuff that you both of you guys have done i mean entero your casting has as i believed uh with you you and kicks has taken our esport to a whole different level uh troy the passion that you have shown over the years is absolutely insane and uh you know i i'm honored to be sitting here with you guys and really appreciate you bringing me on and uh, keep up the great work on this podcast you guys are killing it always a pleasure just talking with you man i i always like like the videos I've done with you, yeah, pro and the potato, I think twice, yeah, and then two or three times, yeah, it might have been three. I know at least twice, and then yeah, the Logic Bomb podcast here, and then yeah, just even at events, I feel like it's always good conversation, good discussion, and For sure, yeah, I think that's that's one of the best things I I enjoy about you is just yeah, it's always just like good vibes, good discussion when you're around, and yeah, just nice guy, great guy. So thank you for okay. coming on. Thank you for what you've contributed to the scene. Yeah. I appreciate it immensely. A ton. And of course, it's a good episode because you get somebody who does their own podcast on. Imagine that. Don't need to don't need to alter their audio levels. The video's perfect. Everything is good to go. It's been a pleasure. I'd like to have you on again. There is always a standing offer for you to come join us and discuss things. There was there were actually a number of topics I wanted to get to today, but the conversation was too good and I didn't want to veer us off. So that's what tends to happen when you've got somebody worth talking to, right? Don't hesitate. Yeah, anytime, guys. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, obviously, subscribe, all that jazz. If you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, hopefully you enjoyed it. If you're watching it on Twitch, 
We're going to be live next Sunday, back to our usual time. We were on yep. Monday because of the EU major, and I don't know if we'll have a guest. We'll we'll figure it out. We might have somebody else from Dark Zero on here, maybe talk about their major, maybe have a, maybe since the 12th episode, we'll do a six on six on six. We don't know. We'll figure it out, but we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you very much. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your evening or wherever you are. Take care. We'll see you soon.